everything going on in this nation. We need some information. And, and just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we're back to Salt Streets Podcast. This is Saturday, August 21st, episode 112, 1.16 p.m. Happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, Miss Kathy. And with that, welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary and all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. I'm Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, for the triumphant return, there's really only two things to talk about, COVID and Afghanistan. I think everybody this week, particularly this week, has had a um, crash course, if you will, in a lot of the nuances um, that have been plaguing Afghanistan for the last two decades. Stuff that we've talked about multiple times over the years. Yes. And uh, some might say those chickens are coming home to roost at this point definitely um so we're gonna get into that we're gonna talk some covid stuff um we, we got the return of sports sports coming back and uh, i think with that we're just gonna dive right into it mr don g do you have a particular desire to start with one or the other or let's, start off with something else let's start with afghanistan because that's i think the most i think that's the one that's going we should talk the, oh. we should talk for a moment though we should give us a, a quick update on the infrastructure bill infrastructure um, it's a very there's very very little to say about it really. there is <laughs> um, there's the things have been overshadowing yes yeah the infrastructure bill has been passed through the senate correct Check. um yeah so it's been first passed round through the senate um i couldn't tell you exactly what the vote was i don't know if you want to pull that up but it was 1.1 trillion dollars i believe and it which moved. was down from the what the original like concept three, of it was like three, I think, right? Yeah, um, and it now moves to the house, obviously, as legislation goes. I'm trying to find the note that I had for it. I had something here um, because now, now it's in this weird limbo place, right? When we yeah. talk, when Joe Biden did his speech a few months ago, I don't remember. I guess he was just talking about the American Family Plan and the Jobs Plan when he yeah. was when he was laying it out. He talked about how he wanted the two passed in tandem. And one of them passed together on the same path. Is what a parallel path? Parallel. That's what it was. And same Nancy, time. I won't. Char- I won't sign one without the other. Nancy Pelosi has stuck to that, right? Because shortly after that, and the votes came in. By the way, to interject really quick. Yes. Sixty-nine yays, thirty nays, and one not voting. There you go. Bipartisan. Happy to hear it. I got another question for you at the end of this, yeah. and then we'll move on to Afghanistan. Check. So, passed through the Senate. Obviously, now goes to the House. We're in this weird limbo now joe biden said at that press conference or whatever you want to call it at the announcement oh it was like equivalent to his state of the union address That's yeah what yeah, it was, yeah. Right? yeah yeah yeah. okay yep. so he lays that out says he wants him passed in tandem on parallel paths they then have to walk back and say like listen you know it's up to congress we're going to let them do whatever like we're not going to say we're only going to do you know we're not going to pass them if they can't do them both nancy pelosi took that heart she's like i'm literally not going to pass the infrastructure bill without a simultaneous uh reconciliation reconciliation bill. package the budget reconciliation yes afterwards that includes the american family plan all these other things that they want put in there that they couldn't get into the jobs plan right 
Mm, yep. Obviously, there are the 69 people who voted yes are like, shut the fuck up and pass the bill. No. There's no sense in wasting what we have here for this odd political play to try and get things that you want. When this is all bipartisan, it's all up to snuff. Just get it on, right? Up to snuff. As, as things you know be, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as far as government goes, it's all a shit show. As far as government goes, it's up to snuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, the government standard. Yeah, so now it's in this weird place where she is demanding that that the two happen together. Um, very weird. I think that it's possibly yeah. a mistake, right? Yeah. We will see where it goes, obviously. Yeah, because um, the way it'll work is, at this point, the Senate introduced a form of the bill. It go Once that is approved, it goes to the House to mess with it in whatever way they changes, want to yeah. to change it and then they'll pass their version of it and then it'll revert back to the house for a final kind of deal on cutting and slashing and adding and subtracting and then voting and then ultimately becoming law after the president signs it yes. after the so, president signs it so we'll see what happens on that yeah right? the question that i have for you that can mm. then take us i'm not liking my lighting sorry i'm not trying oh, to distract you that can then take us into Afghanistan. Crystal Ball. Yeah. Yes. Did, <laughs> I have problems. Go ahead. That was did visceral. It, I didn't mean to do that. Did an interview with Bernie Sanders a few weeks ago. Yes, right? she did. Clips of which they played on Breaking Points. I didn't watch you're the whole thing. On you, there. You're not a super caster. I am not. They played clips of it on Breaking Points. And it drew a question for me that I thought would have been great, especially if Larry mm -hmm. was here, but I can ask it to you anyway, right? During that... Bernie Bernie Sanders went about kind of talking about why he wasn't sure why the bipartisan factor of these bills mattered. And that if they had the votes to get it to the Senate, then they should just do it. You know, and mm -hmm. it does why why does bipartisanship so important? He wasn't sure why so many other senators were so concerned by partisanship, right? So my question is whether or not bipartisanship matters. And if so, then why? Right, and I can okay. go first if you want. I'll go you. first. I got. I got to go ammo. for it. All right. So, it's it's a yes and no answer. Bipartisanship being sorry, just to just to mm -hmm. bipartisanship being both parties working together to pass something or something being beneficial to both parties, so as to be perfect. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, because to, that that is kind of the key point actually in that question is what is bipartisanship. Now, is it bipartisanship because you were able to convince X numbers of senators on the Republican side to vote for a bill because they get their their pet item in there, or they though maybe pick a random senator, maybe uh, Ted Cruz doesn't want a hundred thousand uh, dollars in this bill to go to this particular item, and he says, well, you know, if you get rid of that then I'll vote for it. You know, everybody's making compromises and doing that. It doesn't necessarily mean, depending on how you define it, that everyone that's voting for the bill agrees with the entirety of the bill. It right. just means that, yeah, we got a few people from the other side to vote on it so it, it could pass. It doesn't mean that they're happy about it. It doesn't mean we like it. And then there's also the kind of more loose definition of like, well, we got a couple Republicans to vote for it. So technically it's bipartisanship. It's, just because the numbers are on your side doesn't mean that the satisfaction with the bill is equal on both sides. 
I was like, so the, when he says it's a bipartisan bill, I, I don't care that it's bipartisan. I don't yeah. care because you're on the federal level. You're affecting all of our lives. I don't give a shit whether you're a Republican and you're signing on for this bill. If I think it's a bad bill, if I think it's a bad bill, I don't give two shits that it's bipartisan. I really don't. I, all that really means to me is that there's more dumbass Republicans willing to spend all this money or do this thing for just kind of in general on any yeah. bill. Like, I don't care. I don't care that it's bipartisan. And in that fashion, I might agree with him. But I think coming from Bernie Sanders, especially watching the interview, I don't think that's what he means by it. His definition is like, well, yeah, we got a few token Republicans. It's fine. It's bipartisan. I don't really care. I'm just getting what I want out of this bill. And he doesn't. he's not even really getting what he wants out of the bill. He's right. become more he's become more establishment government than he ever has at any time in his history before. And I don't know what's causing that at this point, but he got so close to the presidency. He got he's so close. So close. Even and closer then, than and in And then he decides that he's going to ally with the same <laughs> fucking assholes that threw him out and removed his chance from becoming president and he's still going to be like, "Ah, whatever." Just to get it's fucked fine. all over again. I'm not going to get, you know, his token thing is um Medicare for all. That's his one thing. Medicare well, for all. Well, the $15 minimum wage. Yeah. Which, you know, that was all the like, biggest corporations, they already, they just did that so that they didn't have to become regulated anyway. When but, he endorsed Joe Biden, that was like the first question that he yep. asked is, are you in favor of $15 minimum wage? Joe Biden's like, yeah, absolutely. Sure. And they pushed for like two weeks and then they're uh, like, oh, um, I'm forget four. about it. You uh, know, uh, <clears throat> what are we talking about? <laughs> um, does that answer the question? I guess. Yes. Okay. And I might have pontificated uh, on high no, a little no, too much. No, I think no. That's exactly what these questions are, are mm -hmm. about, I think, right? Because I've started just in the last few episodes, I think, started writing questions like this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that not I think the reason that I'm writing them down and the reason that I'm asking them to you and using them is because these are the things that I think people are talking about. Yeah. When people are having a discussion about politics, you know, rarely are they breaking apart the numbers and taking apart actual pieces of legislation. Yeah. Rarely is that how it's going on. It's yeah. like, do you actually care whether or not there are Republicans on this or would you rather it just get done if they have it, you yeah. know, which leads into a larger discussion, not right now, but I think with some of your close friends, if we didn't do this, you know, if we didn't do this podcast and we just talked like we did before, that would lead us into a discussion of like, well, yeah, now we're talking about the filibuster. Do we think you need to get rid of the filibuster? Which is really the larger point here. Yeah. You know, that's really that's that that's is the really larger what point. He's getting at. You yeah. know, whether or not he's talking about that, addressing it in here, that's what the point of this discussion is, and that's the point of her question. Yeah. Is do you think that bipartisanship matters or should we go to majority rule, whoever has fifty one goes and move on from there. Because I'm fairly sure, judging from what she said in the past, Crystal doesn't give two shits about the filibuster. No, she, wants she that said it before. Nuked. She does not care. She would like it to be gone. It yep. doesn't matter. The same thing as like Ro Khanna. You know, it's not the Constitution. Oh, yeah. It fucking blah, 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 blah. Right? That's why and I can't get behind her, man. Like, I'll, it's, it's I have a, hard a time. really hard time with especially since she's hooked up with Kyle Cash Kalinsky. Kalinsky. I cannot stand that dude. And the two of them together, that's tough. Yeah. I've tried to watch Kyle and Friends a little bit. or yeah, they, Crystal, Crystal, Kyle Crystal, Crystal, Kyle and Friends. I mean, it, it's not quite as absurd as, say, PSA, Pod Save America. But it's getting, bad. It's getting up there, dude. 
PSA has gone downhill even in the last year. Yeah. Hard. When I saw some pretty int- – like, I obviously had issues with their takes on Afghanistan and the withdrawal. Yeah. Um, and then – A little too cut and dry. Well, and then after I watched that, then I watched the White House press conference with Jake Sullivan on it, and I realized <laughs> that at some point, Crystal and Sagar became mouthpieces for the Biden administration because Somehow. they were literally using the same fucking words – that nope. Jake Sullivan is using there in the White House press room. That you either have two things: you're either asking for more American civilians, more American soldiers to die, or you're asking us to leave in May first. Nope. That they're using the same fucking words. Exactly. At some point, they became mouthpieces for the fucking Biden administration. And I don't know how. I actually, I do know how it happened, right? And this is it's a it's a theory that just from this past week because I couldn't watch the show. I I gave it, was it a solid try, rough, dude. When Sagar was gone. That dude left. I watched ship one episode. <laughs> it's it was rough, um, but uh, I've been watching some this week again, and what I am determining is that their critical thinking blinders went up as soon as Biden said the words that she wanted to hear or they wanted to hear the actual, just the black and white words. There's not looking into the context, not looking at the fact that he's mostly either lying or doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about and they say well no he said this so i'm on board good job biden they literally talked about the steel balls of joe biden for sticking to his commitment the political courage (laughs) this is an 80 year old man who doesn't give a fuck anymore dude they called him based so based joe biden so fucking based right okay let me ask you a quick question (laughs) it was a joke i hear this term thrown around a lot yeah what is because it's a it's a it's a not a pop culture term but it's a popular it's like term, an internet term right? almost based is what like, is based it's almost like it's kind of hard to describe but it's mm-hmm. almost like honest you know like you're saying the thing that like other people are not willing to like it's just true that's just you're just like, going off of your base ideology yeah uncaringly true you know what I'm saying? Like a facts don't care about your feelings type of deal. Like that's you're gonna based. you're gonna drop a mic that, to my understanding, and I could be completely yeah. wrong. But so that's... Ben Shapiro's based as fuck for, for no, Ben Shapiro. No, <laughs> because he's also extremely ideological and extremely partisan and very driven on his own way. He but wouldn't does... that be his his base? But it, that's what I'm. It's based yeah. because it, it doesn't matter. It's not. It's like it's the not fundamental your truth. base. Yeah, it's the fundamental. It's not your truth. personal truth. Exactly. It's the truth that's beyond how you feel, how I feel. It's it's it completely ignores anything. You so, know what I'm saying? That's, are we based? That's the fact. We're based as fuck. Based. Based Word. as fuck. I'm Absolutely. Based. Yeah. She, shoe on head was the first term. Like base. she started talking about based, and exactly. I'm like, I don't. I think I understand, yeah, but I got I to gotta talk to my boy here. It's a thing that's going to piss a lot of people off, but mm-hmm. that's that's the truth. And whether you like it or not, that's the reality of it. So, so we're going base as fuck today is what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to prove our baseness. Yeah, so to call Joe Biden based because he says the same fucking thing that they say, it was pretty yeah, crazy. It was, that was so, crazy. That yeah, I could not just all week with breaking points, man. Sagar has sold I'm Sagar is not married, if I am correct no i don't believe he has a girlfriend he has a girlfriend he He does does. okay good that's good because i feel like he's just over the last like year and a half it's not good he's crystal's had a a similar effect on him i think than i have had on you except i think crystal's got a little something else going on yeah because she's yeah i would love i really really wish that you and i 
could have crystal ball in studio for like six hours. I bet you <laughs> we could we could convert her. I think there's room there, and I think we could probably do the same with Sauger too. He's just I don't think Sauger is based. <laughs> I don't think he it's, knows. Yeah, it, it's it's been problematic for me to try to do. And then I'm I'm thinking because I pay these people money. Yeah. To watch their show, like I pay them ten dollars a month. Yeah. And I'm trying to square away with myself the fact that I disagree with them so vehemently these days. I still think I can justify my ten dollars because, for one, they do do an entertaining show. I watch it semi-religiously. Yeah. Um, along with like Tim Cast, those are the two people I give. Well, three people I give my money to. I give Tim Cast, um, Breaking Points, and Bridget Fetessy dumpster fire i give them my money because those are people i believe in what they're doing i don't necessarily believe in how they're doing it necessarily but i believe in what they are doing but i have i've been real tempted this past week to be like unsubscribe bitch because i just not into it it's it's getting rough yeah um especially for them to talk about how like the establishment takes that are being made you know and Sagar to to project like well now i understand you know the media commitment to you know the surges into the middle east and stuff mm-hmm. like that like i didn't understand how the media could get on board before and now that i've seen them do it here i understand how it can happen and, mm-hmm. and like they're they're doing the same thing you yeah. know because it's like because they're agreeing with joe biden and nobody pretty much nobody on either side is they feel like they found this niche of truth where he, he's also lying like just yeah. because he's the one doing it and is not saying the quiet part out loud like he normally does doesn't mean that he's telling the truth that doesn't yeah. mean that he's based that doesn't erase the history and the facts around this mm-hmm. right and that's part of what i found so frustrating about all of the shitting on the comparisons between vietnam and afghanistan because it's it's dishonest and that's what frustrates me it's very dishonest to act as though they we shouldn't have learned that lesson then to not do this now is ignorant that's stupid that fights against your very cause you know to say that well you know that's they're they're not the same thing they're not even they're equivalent that's that's very untrue it's made me trust them less and that is a huge it's a huge factor for me. When all of a sudden, yeah. if I am putting my trust in your your opinion, not necess- not to like believe it's fact, just context of that. If I feel like you are being honest in your opinion, even if I dis- disagree with you, totally fine with that. Yeah. But if I disagree with your inhonest opinion, if I believe you are not being honest anymore, and whatever's coming out of your mouth after that, I I can't take you seriously more. I lose respect for you. So let's so let's let's dive into this topic, right? Mm-hmm. And because we'll get into that as we move on. I have some index cards discussing kind of their okay. their points, right? So and let me ask this <clears throat> one yes. question real quick because I I want to kind of ask this on a, a thirty thousand feet level, um, and just don't answer it if you feel like it'll come up later. Okay. Um, I've been incredibly taken aback might be the right phrase about coverage coming from the mainstream media all of a sudden i've been very surprised in the coverage coming from the mainstream um i had a before my computer crashed earlier today i had a new york times article up that was like 
fact-checking Joe Biden and saying that he was false here, he was misleading here, stuff that I would have never expected. And it's really kind of, it's kind of fucking with my mind because I know where their allegiances lie. Yeah. How have, has that affected, how has that affected you? Have you seen that as, as it that doesn't, kind of affected you it, at all? It doesn't surprise me. We will talk about it later. Okay. Definitely. Because for me, that has to go into the way that governments, this government in particular recoups their losses of war in the modern age by right? having their backers back and, them and up. we can talk about this we'll talk about it a little bit right now right because mm-hmm. it's kind of a separate thing because i thought about this a lot over the last few weeks so t- obviously we're talking about afghanistan mm-hmm. over the last few weeks the as we approached our date the end of the treaty was may 31st that we had to be out we started to withdraw our forces as we started to withdraw our forces we were leaving behind millions and billions of dollars with our equipment the taliban took over the country at a rate that the uh, Biden administration says that no one could have foreseen, even though now there's cables and things like that coming out, that people were indicating that it could look that way. And I I will explain later Mm -hmm. how Vietnam should have showed us exactly why, even if we didn't think that would have happened, we should have prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Especially as the Biden administration has said, we prepared for all contingencies and things like that, except Except for what's happening right now. Right. So as I think about this, one of the things I've been thinking about, like, why are we still here? Right. Why are we here for so long? Why is this happening? Right. Nation building has been the big thing since I think 2002 is when George Bush started talking about nation building in the Middle East. Right. So for the last 18 years, at least part of our mission has been nation building over there, whether or not we should have been doing that. We've all been saying it. That's what we were doing. We've all been saying it. And now Joe Biden actually came out and was like, yeah, we've been nation building. I I, I never I never said we should have been doing it, blah, blah, blah. But we've been doing it. So it's kind of a weird confirmation for the first time. We've been doing it, but that's not our mission. Our mission is accomplished, and now we can leave. We never should have been nation building, so now I'm going to forget about that, and we're going to go. Yeah. That's been his <laughs> odd yes. circumvention of, you know, we were never supposed to. Even though that's what we were doing, that was the mission, so now we're going to move on, right? So either way, while we're there, thinking, why are we still there? Why are we still there? And I'm thinking and thinking and thinking, money. Obviously, money has to be involved in this somehow, Always. right? Thousands of years ago, Roman empires, Greek, whatever, right? When they are expanding, when they're taking things over, when they're doing war, when they take over a city, they sack the city and they take all the treasure. Yep. All the gold, all the everything that existed there is now ours. That doesn't happen anymore. We don't do that anymore. When you're there, especially... The gold has changed. Especially if you're not imperializing, if your goal is not to expand, if you're doing what we were doing in Vietnam and Afghanistan, anywhere else that we were in, where you're perpetually in somewhere, you are they're still to try and reclaim the money and you can't take anything from them because you nope. didn't you don't own that in a country no nope. right you're just a presence there because it's very important to remember we are as a nation we are not at war with afghanistan right nor have we ever been right same we might have been at war with iraq during the first gulf war but so like far most of these it, things we've never we haven't been at war in a very long time so far be it from us to try and recollect any treasure that we will have spent there because we didn't actually spend treasure on war because we're not at war. Exactly. So how do we go about trying to reclaim this money that we have spent trillions of dollars over in the Middle East now, right? Trillions. The the military-industrial complex. It's what we've talked about a million times, right? That's that's why you're there, to try and recoup the losses that you are experiencing there in the war. That's why there's McDonald's there. That's why all the defense contractors are there. That's why any American company that is in Afghanistan is there. Mm-hmm. To recoup those losses. It's the same reason why girls are going to school. And the the social, the Western culture, social aspects of the nation building that's taking place, that all ultimately is done for financial reasons. 
So, to that point, mm-hmm. right? People that used to work in government now work in the media. That's yeah. that's the revolving that's door of this. So all of not all of the people, but a large amount of the people that worked in government over the last twenty years, keeping us in the Middle East, are now working in media. Yeah. So when they see this happening, the withdrawal of this, all of their hard and work, all of their all of their money that they're not going to be able to recoup anymore because now they can't even have media coverage over there because the yeah. Taliban owns the country. It ruins everything they have planned to try and recoup the losses from the government, from those companies, from everything. This is why John Bolton now is now welcome to talk on CNN for some reason. James Clapper, who sat in front of Congress and perjured himself, now works for CNN. (laughs) I mean, seriously, you know, I mean, it's a revolving door of people who worked in government. So it doesn't surprise me to see that happen because all the people who work there, even if they're not on screen, used to be in government. Yeah. George Stephanopoulos was Hillary Clinton's chief of staff or whatever the fuck. Yep. And now he's the lead anchor on ABC. Yeah. What are we talking about? You know what I'm saying? All of these people are invested in us staying in those wars in the Middle East. So yep. I was not at all surprised. But to me, it just, it, I, um, and I don't mean, I don't want to say like show their hand. I don't know what it is, but show the spotlight on it that like yeah. finally placed that last puzzle piece. And I'm like, oh, it's. It truly is all just money. And it's not just because people are greedy and we love money. It's because, and I'm not defending it because it, it is what it is, right? That's mm-hmm. we are, we live in the 21st century. We are established now. We're civilized. Yeah. We, we, don't, makes, we don't take people's adding, shit. It makes sense yeah. to what they're I, doing now. Yes. I, I understand now why the coverage is the way that it is, why they're saying the things that they are, why we're still there, why we're still doing that. It's all to just try and reclaim money because we don't have any way to get that treasure that we mm-hmm. did 3,000 years ago. And unfortunately, <clears throat> it does sound kind of hyperbolic when somebody just says, well, it's about the money. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there's so many different moving parts to that because you have the defense contractors, you have the media, you have politicians looking to the future, you have people in the military looking at their future. Yeah. You have all these different, you know, separate interests that all kind of coalesce around one common goal because it all serves all of their interests. Yeah. So it's easy to kind of disregard somebody when they say, well, it's all about the money. It's all, it's all so they can get paid again. It's all so they can keep the checks rolling. I mean, um, on Breaking Points, actually, uh, yesterday's episode, um, they pulled up a little chart of like all these major companies and how much money they've made since going into Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. And it's like uh, some of the major defense contractors. Raytheon, Lockheed, all that shit. $900 million. Oh, yeah. Uh, or 900% increase in, in profits. Yeah. It's like whole it's down the fucking board yeah. and that's not even accounting for that's just the defense contractors they're talking about. that's not talking about the media outlets but it totally makes sense or now even that, just like the mcdonald's you know oh, the, yeah. the the companies the corporations that find their way there that if you're going to be on a military base you're going to pay a fee to be there mm-hmm. you have to obviously pay rent for the place that you have your restaurant in yeah. the government is making money there even if you don't have to pay taxes somehow because you're in another country and it's whatever if you're able to skirt that the corporation you, is still making yeah, the money they still, still make the money and it's still coming back to the government yep. it's any thing about Ugh. i'm telling you where is I'm, mcdonald's based at where's their headquarters i'm going to look that up Probably in Delaware. I don't That's know. Right. It's probably, probably Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> it is probably <laughs> Delaware. Um, but um, what was I? Oh, but if you think about to Chicago, Illinois, to further solidify my point, all of these people, whether it's the conservatives, the progressives or the president, they're talking about money. 
They're yeah. talking about how much money we've spent there, how much money we wasted over there, yep. how much money we're, we're spending over there right now, how much money we're going to save by not being over there. It's literally all about money. Yep. I all mean, if you don't believe that the United States government has a price tag associated with every single soldier that is over there, you're kidding yourself. They know exactly how much money they invest in he, uh, that particular human being to go over there and fight, and they know how much it costs them when somebody dies. In Vietnam, they... McNamara, Robert McNamara, was the Secretary of Defense for JFK, or the National Security Advisor or the Secretary of Defense for JFK and for Nixon, mm-hmm. right? LBJ and Nixon. Um, JFK, LBJ, and Nixon is what I'm trying to say. The JFK ended pretty quick. During the time that he was was probably early LBJ, um, Robert McNamara used to be the head of Ford Motor Company, and he then moved into government to serve his country to try and do what he was doing, right? So he he was a pioneer in logistics. That's what his thing was, was just all logistics, right? So at a certain point, he decided that he was going to quantify every aspect of the Vietnam War. So he called what was called MACV in Vietnam, which was the Military Administrative Vietnam Command, I think is what that stands for, uh, or Command of Vietnam, right? Um, he asked them, I, I want to quantify everything. I want The Military the, Assistance Command Vietnam. There you go. So, so I, I want to quantify everything. I want dead i want killed i want money spent dollars per no. bullet everything because everything right? dollars so he takes this they put it into the computer and he they're like when are we going to win the war never it's yeah. just not going to happen right robert mcnamara takes this and he hides it literally in a closet in his office for, <laughs> for years until this is on the documentary yeah until Ken burns until years go by and eventually he asks someone to compile a report of to tell me when we knew that we weren't going to win Right. And so then they access all this information while they're doing it. It gets released in part to people at uh, the Rand Corporation is the company that Mm -hmm. that was working on this document and workers there. Daniel Ellsberg being one of them released these documents in part and then eventually in full in what was called the Pentagon Papers that were released by, by Ed by Ed Ed Sheehan, who was a reporter at the time. And that indicated that the government had known for years that we were not going to win in Vietnam and we used this precise calculation to to do it right i guarantee you the same thing is being done and was done in during afghanistan because within the last few years we had the we had the afghanistan papers come out which was yeah. a very similar thing documents that indicated we knew the troop numbers were wrong we knew that we were lying about the surges we knew we were lying about the information the wmds everything yeah. Right. So down to the expose reports that came out via government documents, the Pentagon Papers and the Afghanistan Papers, both show that the government knew they were lying at the time during the war. So what you're describing, in my own words, is essentially a war's victory or loss being based off the bottom line, financially. Because and, and that would make sense considering the military actions, not wars, that we've been involved in since vietnam and the way that they've gone about doing that if we can pull a profit then we're we're good we we just keep this train rolling we're doing things right we are winning because our bottom line is in the black general general william westmoreland who was the commander of vietnam during lbj and also during part of the nixon administration focused on a strategy that was called a crossover point 
which was when the American military was going to be killing more North Vietnamese soldiers than they could replace. Okay. That was his whole strategy, was just a strategy of attrition. Attrition. We're just yep. going to kill as many as we can until we're killing so many that they can't replace them. Yep. <clears throat> During that if time. we're killing 99 out, and we're losing 100, the numbers are not in our favor. Over a period of time, we will ultimately lose at that point because we have X amount. They have X amount. The rate of attrition is greater on our side than it is on their side or vice versa. And that right there. And then if you're quantifying that in pennies, there's a financial aspect to it yeah. because every soldier costs X amount of money. And so, this is and this is what justified the increase of troops from sixteen thousand when LBJ took office. There were sixteen thousand military advisors. There were not even combat troops on the ground. When he put William Westmoreland in office, they put it up to twenty three thousand advi- advisors on the ground, and they also started bombing Laos in sixty four. Um, let's see, December of sixty five. Um, I'm sorry, in April of sixty five. There was 50,000 more troops that were sent, and LBJ said that they would send 50,000 more troops by the end of 65 if they needed it under this same policy of, or uh, f- strategy of William Westmoreland of trying to reach this crossover point, right? Now we need combat troops on the ground. And so they sent two more battalions, the 50,000, and they said they would send another 50,000 by the end of 65. They ended up sending 200,000 more at the end oh. of 65 to try and reach this crossover point, right? Um, Good Lord. That's... That's like the Soviet strategy. Yeah. Just throw everything we have at them, and we'll send wave after wave of our own forces until it cripples them. Yeah. Um, in 66, the beginning of 66, we sent 47,000 more troops. Um, in the end of 68, there was 13,500 more troops that were sent there. Um, by April of 69, we had 540,000 troops in Vietnam. 540,000. All of these done from 16,000 advisors to the 540,000 troops, combat troops, support troops, things like It's only about 20% of the troops that were there actually fought in combat. The rest Mm -hmm. of them were support troops from 16,000 advisors to over 500,000 soldiers on the ground, all under the guise of this crossover strategy. Sounds like a bad strategy. I would conservatively and comfortably compare this to... The troop surges during Obama, mm-hmm. right? When this is happening, and while the battles are happening to justify more troops, they are lying about the people that they're killing in Vietnam. Not only are they having to lie, but they don't really know because the North Vietnamese actually give a shit about their troops, and they'll take them home. The Viet Cong, they're, they're people that live there. They're yeah, yeah. family members. They're people they know that are dying, so they're taking them home. Because the Vietnam War was, to boil it down to the to absolute base, was a fight between North and South Vietnam. North Vietnam being the Viet Cong and the the communist aspect of the citizens of Vietnam, right? Compared to us trying to bolster some kind of, you know, I don't even want to say democratic at that point, but we were just fighting against the spread of communism at that point. Yes, we were were communists. We were in support of South Vietnam that was opposing the North Vietnamese regime, right, the North Vietnamese army, as well as the Viet Cong. The Viet Cong were guerrilla troops generally made of people leaving South Vietnam to North Vietnam and then uh, militarizing, radicalizing, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, right, and then becoming the Viet Cong. So okay. the North Vietnamese army was a huge portion of what we were fighting, which was also being funded by the Soviets, by China. There are Chinese troops that are coming in to serve in the North Vietnamese army. 
happening all the time. And we were with the South Vietnamese Army, which was actually called the Arvin, um, the Armed Revolution of Vietnam. Um, yeah, there's something like that, right? Yeah, so the Arvin forces were the South Vietnamese Army, um, and we fought with them, essentially, yes, to just try and defeat communism. Yeah, the Army of the Republic of Vietnam. There you the go. Arvin. <sighs> so, I see, can... I, and already just with that kind of base description, I'm already seeing a lot of similarities as far as the type of conflict we're dealing with. Right. So we can start, like I said, we can talk about these no carts here and we'll kind of, you'll be able to, as somebody who was alive during Afghanistan, we'll be able to draw these connections. And mm -hmm. so that, that's what we'll do, right? So the very first sign of the United States in Vietnam was in 1944. That would make sense. 1944, two years after the bombing in Pearl Harbor, we sent troops, OSS soldiers, and the OSS is the precursor, I know you know this, the, the precursor to the CIA, right? Before we had any type of intelligence services, it was just a portion of the military that was called the Office of Special Services. Yep. That's the CIA. That's our intelligence services. They turned into the Green Berets and a bunch of different intelligence agencies. So we have OSS soldiers that go down to Vietnam and are there to help Ho Chi Minh yep. and what would turn into the Viet Cong, right? We armed those soldiers and helped them liberate themselves from France. That's that's yep. how the Viet Cong, what would become the Viet Cong, got their got their arms. That's how they got the beginning of their training. That's how all of this happened. The generals that ended up helping North Vietnam take the South were trained by OSS soldiers in the 40s. I want to look now, because you bring up Ho Chi Minh, and I want to bring in... I want to look at where um, Chiang Kai-shek came into play too, because I know as far as China is concerned and their influence in the area, we were helping out Chiang Kai-shek because the communists were taking over China at that point, and he was kind of an imperialist, authoritarian type of guy, but he wasn't communist, and so we yeah. were fighting him, and we were fighting with, kind of alongside them in, in, in like Burma and I guess vietnam at the time in in 44 ho chi minh know. spent some 20 years traveling the globe trying to find support for their nationalist cause to try and take back their country from france mm -hmm. and so he spent like i said some 20 years doing that meeting other people trying to get letters to truman when truman was in office and eventually he found out about this and that's why he sent the oss soldiers there um, and so, you know, we have this weird support of France in the open because, you know, we just helped liberate them from the from, beginning of the proxy wars. But baby. at the same time, we have this understanding for the Vietnamese for the Vietnamese people that they want to be liberated. They want to own their own country. I mean, and who wants to be under the control of France, bro? So they're in this documentary, right? They're actually OSS soldiers um, that w were there you know and that we're able to testify they're like like we just understood that they wanted to liberate themselves we had just done this from the british just 200 years ago yeah. how could we not identify with that you know and we had which is so interesting when you look at the the allyship between france and the u.s during world war ii and then all of a sudden you're like well we're gonna help these people kick the french out of their country yes and that that seems seems like that might be the the very beginning of this you know, I said it before, proxy war era where countries are fighting against each other's quote unquote interests, right? but they're not actually fighting each other. But at the end of the day, you are f at the ideological level, you're fighting against your allied nations. Right. Because Ho Chi Minh was a communist from the beginning. We yeah. knew at that time that they were, they were a communist 
breed. That's what their group was. Um, but we were still willing to fund them to allow them to have their own country. But once that happened, and then they're funded by the Chinese and by the Soviets, we obviously then have an issue. And there are different governments that try and pop up and things like that. And that's when you have a South Vietnamese government, a North Vietnamese government. So the crossover here, not to get too ahead of ourselves. No, but no, this is the perfect is time. The Mujahideen. Yeah, the Mujahideen yeah. against the Russians. Against the Soviets. And... Yeah, because at that point it wasn't Russia; it was it was the Soviet Union. It was the Soviet yeah, that's it was literally the same group of people. Yeah, Jesus um, Christ. Yeah, I have. And I you actually... couldn't, you did not see this coming. Bullshit! I no, call no. fucking bullshit. No one could have possibly known that God. this was ever going to happen. Yeah, I have. Um... This is a note card. Um, it's like a little timeline of. Of us in Afghanistan. Oh, we're yeah. Just trying to... Yeah, because our involvement there has stretched yeah. a lot a lot longer than the, the quote-unquote 20 years that we've been there since, you know, 9-11. You know, we've been active in some military and intelligence capacity in Afghanistan since, was that, the 50s, I want to say? Maybe the 60s, 70s, but, you know, definitely Vietnam era. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, yeah, it was in the 90s that... We sent soldiers there, helped arm the, the Mujahideen and trained them, mm -hmm. and so that they could help defeat the Soviets. That right? sounds so, sweet. So the origins, Sounds right? like we trained them better than we did the uh, Afghani Defense Force. From its origins, these have similarities, mm -hmm. right? So obviously then we start having issues with the government. There's communists that are coming there. Um, Eisenhower comes into office. He sends more money, plus he sends military advisors there so that they can liberate themselves from the communists. Because you have Chinese that are coming in, and that's when they have to try and fight them back, right? <laughs> so after that, JFK, JFK comes into office. He pushes in 11,000 advisors. Um, at the time that he died, there were 16,000 advisors there, millions of dollars worth of equipment. 16,000 military advisors. advisors. Yes. Military advisors, and they're there What's to the help. Between advisors and boots on the ground, at that point, like the advisors truly... aren't actively in combat, and they generally, there was actually a lot of testimony about this in the documentary that I was watching, and a lot of the soldiers that were there early, the advisors that were there early, realized that they weren't there to teach the Arvin how to fight a war because they had a lot of this knowledge from the OSS originally. Yeah. Um, excuse me. They were there to call in the air support and the things like that, the equipment that the Arvin did not have. That's why America was there. Dare I say an over-the-horizon approach? Hmm. Hmm. Almost similar, almost similar to the way that the United States advises the Saudis to bomb the Yemeni civilians and kill all of them. Interesting. Very similar ways. Interesting. Very similar. So... Hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> along with bombing raids, huge amounts of bombing raids, and Agent Orange, we started yeah. spraying defoliants all over the place. Um, yeah, that turned out real great. We then supported a coup in the south um, to try and get, we, we, which we would do numerous times. And after this initial coup, coup there's a succession of less and less successful presidents that take over South Vietnam because it just becomes increasingly corrupt as as the leadership and generals that realize that coups are possible, especially mm -hmm. if you have a leader that the United States likes, they can get it done. You yeah. know? Um, 
So they back a coup. LBJ comes in and he bumps up the advisors from 16,000 to 23,000. And that's when he puts in William Westmoreland. Uh, they start bombing Laos in secret. Because yep. um, so we're not at war with Laos. Like again, we are with North Vietnam. Again, I would compare all these secret bombing raids and stuff like that. It, again, I just want to highlight for everybody. These aren't direct comparisons. They can't yeah. be because, again, they are different wars. My point has been and will always be and continue to be the overarching themes of these wars are so similar. There's no excuse for not being able to tell that they're that they were this similar, you know, yeah. especially if you serve in government. Kind of your job is to know history. Your job is to know about things that have happened in the past so you don't fuck them up again in the future. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea. That, that so, would be a good idea. Especially to people that are in government that are 60, 70 years old that were alive when this was happening. There's no reason you don't remember this. Yeah. There's no reason you don't know about these and things. And it's, it's a failure of your duties as a public resident, representative to not recall and learn from those follies of history that you were present for at the time. So these bombing raids in Cambodia and Laos that kill enormous amounts of civilians, right? I think by the time the war ends, the number is 2 million Vietnamese, Cambodians, and Laos civilians and soldiers that are killed in 20 years. That's that's a number. Yeah, and so I would compare these largely to the drone strikes that carried through Bush, through Obama, through Donald Trump, all these things, right? Lying about the amount of bombs that we were doing, the amount of drone strikes that we were doing, lying about the amount of civilians that are being killed in, lying about the targets, the reasons, all kinds of shit, lying mm-hmm. about everything, you know? These bombing campaigns would increase over time through the Nixon administration. They would still be secret. We would lie about them. We would, People would find out. Then we would say we won't do them anymore. We would stop. We would start again. We end up start using them as a tool to just try and force the, the North Vietnamese to come to the bargaining table. Huh. That's a lot of similarities there. A so, lot of similarity, especially when you boil it down to the overall, the concept of what they were doing. Not exactly their exact actions of how they they carried through with, you know, on those concepts. But it seems like that kind of proxy war concept has maintained from then till now. Yes. In 63 and 64, again, before we have actual combat troops in Vietnam, we still have just advisors there we start overseeing the south the shelling of south vietnamese islands and coasts to get the north vietnamese out of there it's at that time in 64 the gulf of tonkin incident happens yep. right a lot of people i wouldn't maybe not a lot some people would compare this incident to 9 11 um again different timelines and things like that but because gulf of tonkin was a false flag operation a lot of people obviously think 9 11 was a false flag so they're Mm-hmm. Many things that are drawn in there, you know. But whether or not it's a false flag or not, that's, the the outcome is the same. It's the catalyst event that draws us into the war because Americans are then in danger. Yeah, it draws the draws the American public support for such an intervention. Yeah, the second attack on the U.S. ships. And I'm not, not going to go into the Gulf of Tonkin. If you want to know what that is, mm-hmm. go ahead and look that up. It, it's real. Their documents. It, it's legitimate. It's right? a documented false flag operation. We end up striking back and going into Vietnam because the second attack on the U.S. ships was quote unquote probable but not certain. <laughs> that seems like a 
A good foundation to lay your war off of. That's the justification that we used to get the Tonkin Gulf Resolution, which is what pus- put mm-hmm. U.S. soldiers on ground in Vietnam. 65, we started Operation Rolling Thunder, which was an enormous bombing campaign. That's when we started putting ground troops in there. A document would later come out during the Pentagon Papers during this time that showed we knew at this time we were entering the war. Again, this is a quote from a government fucking document, right? That we stayed in this war 70% to avoid humiliation, 20% to contain China, and 10% to free Vietnam. Yeah, that seems about right when you think about Literally it. Literally written in government documents. That's why we were there. Jesus. <clears throat> yeah, so after that, that's when I was talking about the two more battalions get put and they okay ground operations. That's when they start leaving the base. They start actually going out and doing things. 50,000 more people um, by April. Another 50,000 pledged by the end of 65 if needed. December of 65, 200,000 more troops instead of that 50,000, right? And so now we're sitting about 300,000 troops that are in Vietnam. A surge um, of troops, if you will. The surge, if you will. 1966, there's 17 large-scale offenses in, in 1966 that created 3 million homeless throughout Vietnam. Um, again, these are things that I I would quantify to the bombing or to the to the raids, to the, yeah. the drone strikes, yeah. you know? Um, the large-scale military operations in places like during the Gulf War and places like... Uh, Fallujah, you know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, Enormous yeah. cities like this that absolutely Somalia, yeah, that destroy these cities so the people who live there can no longer live there. They yeah. are then refugees. They're homeless. They have to go to surrounding countries, to America, all over the place, right? Yep. So that's what I would compare these things to during Afghanistan. It would be the Gulf War, the very first stages, the storming, the storming of Iraq when we have boots on the ground in Iraq. That's what I would compare these things to. Um, especially, like I said, with the amount of homeless that are there, the amount of people that die, the bombing, the civilians. It, it seems very similar to me, mm-hmm. um, those ground operations. Yes. And I just pulled up this statistic real quick because yes. I, I wanted to verify this number. And I know not every one of these countries is has a military presence similar to Afghanistan. But the overall concept of why we're in Afghanistan and why we were in Vietnam and all this stuff I think carries through probably a good chunk of these. The United States has active duty military troops stationed in nearly 150 countries worldwide. Yeah. <clears throat> and Joe now, Biden sorry go ahead. I was say, and now that is something I think is being very overshadowed with the you know the hand wringing and the success of the pullout from Afghanistan. So, yeah, well, we're we're ending the forever wars. If you talk to Crystal and Saga, they're super jazzed about this. I don't care how bad you rip the bandaid off, how much it bleeds afterwards. What we're seeing now, the torment that we'll get into later. But Afghanistan is dropping the bucket. Yeah. If if you if anybody if Biden was truly serious about ending the forever wars, then we're pulling out of Germany. We're pulling out of every 150 countries nationwide. And that, you'd yeah. be kidding yourself if we're ever going to do that. This is a, I don't want to call it a PR stunt because there's actual lives in the balance here. But this is not the U.S. government ending their their 
habitual problem with proxy wars around the around right. the world. And I would argue the justification for that is because our enemy is no longer communism, it's terrorism. Terrorism. Right. We have switched out one for another. At the time, we were mm-hmm. in Vietnam for communism. To, to, to yeah. defeat communism, you ask the soldiers there, that's the first reason that we were there, is to defend communism, to defend the world from communism. Yeah, right? to stop the spread. Why are we in Somalia? Why are we the in curve. These, Why are we in these African countries that we didn't fucking know that we were yep. in? And why are right? we still there now? For terrorism. It's because the Mujahideen now exists in all those yep. countries. Mujahideen, right? the, the Al-Shabaab, I mean, there is... ISIS, different they're all over the everywhere, place, right? Yep. Yeah, they're all over the place. And that's, so that's the same reason we have people there. What, two years ago, when we had soldiers die in... In Africa. Uh, yeah, somewhere now, like Tunisia or some fucking random yeah. shit. And yep. we're like, what do you mean they died there? Why yep. are they even there? And, we didn't even know. Yep, the, alt, the alternate media um, covered that for, I don't know, a few days, I think, at the time. But even that went away. But it didn't get a single hair of mainstream coverage. No. But at least the alternate, the alternative media picked it up in some fashion and ran with it for a little while. But yeah, I, I still remember that, Dan. There, there. All of a sudden, people were like, "Well, why do we have troops in Africa? What are we doing in Africa?" Blah blah blah. It's the same shit. We're we're always advising and we're training and we're we're always involved, all over the world. And there's arguments for and against that, obviously, which we'll get into later. But because I'm going to try to steel man that as much as possible, just because I think Excuse that me. we got to try to steel man some of these arguments. No, absolutely. We're going to at go some point, all... so we will. Yeah. As we go forward, um, they expand the scale of the bombing targets and the area of operation for Rolling Thunder, and so that's when it starts again to get into Laos, Cambodia, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, they go past the DMZ into North Vietnam instead of just bombing along the DMZ, and the reason that they the justification for bombing Cambodia and Laos is because of something called the Ho Chi Minh Trail, yeah. which was an enormous, circuitous web of pathways that went from North Vietnam into Cambodia and Laos and then filtered back into South Vietnam. And that was the supply routes for the communists to get everything that they needed down into Vietnam. And for so long, that's why they were so successful is because we couldn't fucking do anything about it. You know, we didn't have any clearance to go into Cambodia or, or Laos. Only during Nixon did we actually have combat troops in Cambodia and Laos. Mm-hmm. And it was only for like six weeks because after that it got so horrible. Congress was like, absolutely not. We're done with this. No more. Can't and do it. it. Was, it was absolute carnage in Cambodia and Laos. Mm-hmm. Absolute fucking savagery there. And with all this stuff going back to like the OSS getting involved in these countries, it reminded me of one of my all-time favorite films that was oh, what year did that come out? 1959 based off of a novel from 1957, loosely based on it. It's called Never So Few stars uh, none other than the great and powerful Frank Sinatra and uh Gina Lola Bridgedahl, who okay. I think you should be generally familiar with yes. working at Benick. Um, but it takes in it takes place in Burma in 1943. And the, there's military advisors there joining up with the local, the native Kachin armies to push back against the, the Japanese army that was moving through the area. Yes. It's very, very similar. So you can see where, you know, mind you, that's a, a kind of a historical fiction take on things. But right. the... But the concept of that proxy war has been there since pre-involvement in World War Two. Yeah, it goes all the way back, man. <clears throat> That's. It, I just I'm just like coming to terms with this now. We think twenty years is bad. How about since the nineteen fucking forties, dude? Yeah. That's modern 
warfare. Yeah. And what, what do we call that? Uh, Tim Pool's always talking about things. Oh, it's so and so level warfare. It's uh, fourth and fifth generational warfare. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, that's third general, third generation warfare or second generation warfare. It's fucking proxy wars. Yeah. Where you're, 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 you're advising, you're training, and you're helping other forces because you're using them as a tool to protect or secure national interest. Where there's, there's the old days of national wars against each other. There's no reason for a nation like the United States to go to war with the nation of Afghanistan because there's, as we'll get into when we talk about the government falling and stuff like that, the government of Afghanistan has always been kind of, you can't, it's apples and oranges when you think about the government of the United States and the government of Afghanistan. They're yes. not the same thing, like even contextually. You might call them a government or a governing body of different ways or however you do it, but it's not the same exact deal. You're talking apples and oranges at that point. But it's amazing that it goes back that far. Yeah. Which is why I love all this this talk of Vietnam. Um, in the end of 67, there's 20,000 dead, 20,000 uh, American troops dead by the end of 67. Um, January 68, there's something called the Tet Offensive, which is a huge push by the North Vietnamese. They sneak <coughs> Viet Cong and NVA soldiers into different uh, provincial capitals all around South Vietnam and have an organized attack all pops up at the same time. It's fucking insanity. <coughs> Thousands of people die. Um, That's the, the Tet Offensive or Tet? Tet. Yeah. Tet. tet is a Vietnamese festival, and during that time, they organized a three-day ceasefire so that everybody could go back home and do whatever they wanted. And during that ceasefire, the North Vietnamese popped off the Tet Offensive. And so that's part of why it got so bad. They were able to... January 31st, 1968 to September 26th, 1968. Yeah. Damn. That is a long and bloody endeavor. Yes. Yeah, because it continued in all these different capitals, right? Yeah. And so in, like, Saigon and everything, they held different buildings in Saigon for several hours, you know, which, I mean, if you're talking about essentially Saigon as the military capital of, of the United States at the time in Vietnam, the fact that you had enemy soldiers holding buildings right outside of your embassy for hours is pretty fucking terrifying, you yeah. know? So, um Ooh. At the end of 68, they push in 13,500 more men, and they recall William Westmoreland, and they put his number two in place there. They start bombing uh, only above the DMZ and not below. In 1969, they finally broke the siege at Quezon. Um, <clears throat> and one week after that, they there, there's this enormous battle for a base called Quezon, right? Mm-hmm. And... It, I believe it was during the Tet Offensive, actually. It might have been – it was actually, I believe, during what was called Mini-Tet, um, which was, again, just an, an enormous offensive um, by the North Vietnamese. They would Mini-tet. also do something later called the Easter Offensive. Um, they had kind of three big pushes before the final push, and that got them all the way down to Saigon. And so during Mini-Tet, I believe, there was this enormous siege of Quezon, just thousands of rounds of artillery being dropped on it, and the United States fought for weeks to get it back. A week after they took it, they leveled the base, and they left forever. Well, at least in that case, they leveled the base. We're going to talk about <laughs> these things a lot when we talk about the equipment that's left, right? And one of uh, the equivalent I would draw with this, right? It, I'm going to boil down to use one example that it is 
uh, microcosm of a larger issue that existed in the Middle East for a very long time, right? Of troops being left ha- hitting an IED, right? Having a then broken MRAP or troop carrier that the troops are then forced to stay for hours or days to defend so the enemy does not take it. Like it Black then, Hawk Down a little bit. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. Only for the military to try and find a way to recover this piece of equipment or take the very vital pieces of it and then leave. Right? Because they don't we, want the technology to fall in the we enemy's spent hands. years doing that. Years and years and years sacrificing young men and women from this country for pieces of material that we then left $80 billion, $800 billion worth, however, billions and billions of dollars worth in the hands of the enemy. After we spent years sacrificing young men and women to defend that material, we then left it with no question and walked away. Seems uh, highly illogical. So after we wasted thousands of U.S. lives to try and keep this base during Tet, mini Tet, the Easter Offensive, we then level this fucking base and walk away. This would be repeated dozens of times throughout Vietnam. You know the story well, Hamburger Hill, all yep. these hills that are just numbers. They're numbers based off yep. of how tall they are. Yes, that yep. they then literally spend days or weeks taking to then be to then be helicoptered out hours after they've taken it to go back a few months later and take the same fucking hill. Happened dozens of times. Mm. That's that's what we spent doing. That's how people died in Vietnam. Hills. Numberless, numbered, nameless hills that we then left immediately afterwards, right? Gosh. This, 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 one, this time that we did in Afghanistan, we did an all one felt swoop, right? Leaving all this equipment there. Things that we did over Ooh. piece by piece by piece in Vietnam, we did all at once in Afghanistan. We have an amazing comment here from uh, our boy Zeke's brother. Shout out Ivan. Ivan. in the chat. Basically, we are a country with mercenary for hire, and they are put to work to secure resources and other people's homelands. Yes. Yeah. That sounds that sounds about what the last, I don't want to say even a few decades at this point, this last 60 to 80 years yeah. has been all about. And there's got to be something like that now because during the 60s, it was enough. Communism was enough. You know what I'm saying? At the time, America, whatever you want to attribute it to, you know, we loved each other. We cared about each other. We still cared about America, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, at the time, the fact that it was communism was enough for us. That was enough to be like, fuck communism, fuck the Chinese, fuck the Soviets, take that shit back. Help them take that shit back. We don't care enough about political ideologies now for communism to be enough reason. It's got to be terrorism. It has to be money because they're coming for you. If we don't stop them, it's not only just that your government's going to change, the terrorists are going to come for you and your family, and they want your whole way of life. They want everything that you have. That's why. It's got to be fear now. Communism isn't enough. It's fear. Fear and money. This brings me, it reminds me of something I believe they talked about on TimCast when we're talking about Afghanistan involvement in Iraq and all this good stuff. And then he had talked about Korea and Vietnam and because Korea predated Vietnam and that was probably the first it wasn't as much a proxy war at that point because we actually had a lot of boots on the ground and people American soldiers active duty My soldiers grandpa fighting and things like that but that Korea was about stopping the spread of communism Absolutely. because even during the World War II we were allied with the Soviet Union who were definitely communists but at the time they were a necessary evil the enemy of my that? enemy is my friend amen 
But there was a point at which, and I feel like this is all just going to be kind of off the top of my head at this point, but I feel like they were having a conversation about the point at which the United States government and the generals and everybody involved at the time were talking about what do we do about the spread of the ideology at this point. And you could probably make the same kind of talking point when you're talking about the, the war against terrorism, yeah. if you will. Because at a point, you realize if you do not get involved in some fashion to stop the spread of communism, we'll just use that as this example, right? You can, you can hang out in the United States and not worry about anybody else. And at one point in the future, the vast majority of the world will now be a part of this giant amorphous monster of communist dictatorships that are very militaristic and it will be it would be nothing to just say okay well at this point we don't even need to invade you anymore we own the rest of the world we'll just cut you off we'll kill you financially economically and it's done so that because you can see with the spread of communism like that that was certainly in the process of taking place it was spreading. That's why we were fighting communism in, you know, Southeast Asia. That's why we were fighting it there because right. it had spread so far. It right. had gotten to that point, and we had done that. So at some point, what do you do about that? South Korea or the Korean War was the first time that we signaled and demonstrated that we were willing to fight small battles to def- to fend off communism. And that's how we ended up in these all these little weird proxy wars and then eventually spread out in all these countries, you know, to give way to fighting terrorism mm-hmm. is that, well, we can't just continue to send troops over there like we did in Korea because it was a goddamn bloodbath. What we oh. can do is send you a bunch of planes and we can tell you how to use them and we can send you a bunch of advisors and a bunch of money and a bunch of bombs and equipment and things like that. Mm-hmm. We can do that. And that's an easy way for America to fight small-scale wars against communism, against terrorism mm-hmm. in other countries. It doesn't, it doesn't um, foul the palate of the U.S. population. Yeah, it doesn't much. sell, and it doesn't sell, and that yeah. that starts to become a really a big theme towards the end, towards the middle and end of Vietnam, when they're talking about kill ratios and crossover points, and different platoons are talking about. Oh well, you know, we have a, we had a thirty to one kill ratio today. No one gives a shit about that. America doesn't care whether you if you killed thirty Viet Cong if three Americans died. It's yeah. the three that matters, not the thirty. Yep. It doesn't matter. You know they don't care how many of them you're killing. They care about how many of us are dying. Yeah. And so that's why even small scale wars, even if you're like we'll lose less than a thousand people, doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. That's a thousand sons and daughters that are not going to come home to American families. That's what people care about here. Yep. You know, which you can argue whether or not you know self-centered or whatever the fuck you know but that's when you're talking about people dying that's you care about you know that individual that individual soldier's family is going to care yeah and that's and their community is going to care their friends are going to care their family their friends their their soldiers you know their 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 fellow soldiers and sailors and stuff like that they all care but in the grand scheme of things just a number yeah um, so in 69, five days before the election, they, Nixon stops all bombing, or I'm sorry, LBJ stops all bombings, um, so they can try and be unbiased during that time. LBJ also decided a few months before that he wasn't going to run, so at this time it's between Nixon and, I couldn't tell you, it doesn't really matter. Um, but during that time, 
There are secret peace talks that are happening between some of LBJ's people and North Vietnam. And at that time, Nixon sabotages the peace talks to try and get himself into office. He tells the North Vietnam he'll cut them a better deal once he gets into office if they do this. And so Nixon sabotages the peace talks at the time to try and get himself into office. Um, when are we going to start a history podcast? This is great, dude. The, <laughs> your hours of rewatching Ken Burns' Vietnam is seriously paying off here. I'm um, getting a, a straight-up education. Government and military corruption in South Vietnam is rampant. We know that the U.S. dollars are vital to keep South Vietnam afloat. It's all of the black market goods that are coming through. I mean, their economy is absolute garbage. So it's only the money that the GIs are spending there mm -hmm. that's and the United States military is spending there that's even keeping that country afloat, the amount of aid that we're giving there. Um, well, when you talk about the economy of a place like South Vietnam or the economy of, say, Afghanistan, they're not the same thing. No. The way we would view a quote-unquote economy right. is not the way the true economy of those countries would normally run and operate no it's it's the western values lens that you're 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 viewing this other foreign nation from and it seriously seriously skews your judgment when yes. all of a sudden your fundamental basis for wanting to be involved doesn't belong there right when money is the motivation for everything yeah. because there's no guaranteed for anything it's else. It's not America, dude. Yeah. Money doesn't really matter to them that much. Yeah, it's almost – it's barely an economy. It's almost just like an, a monetary system. You know, mm -hmm. it's just an exchanging of money because yeah. the tax system isn't there, so the government funding isn't there. Yeah. So the government it might funding explain really why is series all of these of... governments are so fucking corrupt. The ones right. that we install and we prop up, they're so completely corrupt because they don't have the 200 years of practice at hiding that corruption right. like our own system. Done. And it's this in a lot of similar things happen over there that happen here. People lying about things to try and get more money, you know, lying yeah. about results or the amount of troops that you have. We see that at the end, like at the fall, the collapse of Vietnam, that there are the numbers of the military is only two thirds of what it's supposed to be because there are so many ghost troops and people lying about the size of their battalion so they can just continue to collect the checks from the United States government because we're the ones that were paying for their army. Mm -hmm. Same thing that's happening in Afghanistan. We're the ones paying their army. So there are so many people lying, having regular jobs and not showing up to fight. And so all a whole slew of the Arvin forces as well as the Afghan military are holding regular day jobs and showing up maybe on the weekend or something like reserves to collect their check for being in the military. So they don't yeah. actually know how to be in the military. They know how to collect a check. They know how to hold a gun maybe and do some shit like that. They don't actually know how to fight because in their day job, they're a fucking roofer or some shit. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's in, insert the, uh, that video going, which I still can't tell is fake or not of, that U.S. soldier trying to tra train some of the Afghan forces, trying to do jumping jacks and stuff. And it's yeah. just... It's, and it's the, it's, the sad thing is, is I, I have a feeling that is 100% true because during, like, my boot camp, there are Americans that were in boot camp that were not coordinated enough to do a jumping jack. So it's very, very believable to somebody yeah. like me who's seen that from Americans. And so when I see... Afghan soldiers doing that and everybody's like oh this is fake they're not that you know they're not that uncoordinated blah blah I'm like well it's not a stretch well, it's, it's like, seriously not a stretch it was like the video of them in the gym you know like using the mm -hmm. equipment and shit and they're just like oh, it yeah. was almost funny you it know was. it's almost like it's almost like a little bit cute that like you fucking have no idea what you're looking at like yep. you don't even have any conception of of like what this is you it's, know it's two totally different worlds yeah so a, a lot of in in many senses the Afghan military are large portions of it 
or the general army certainly were like American militias light because uh-huh. they don't actually give a fuck about their country and have no actual urge to try and defend it. At least in America, the people who are gearing up and have kid and shit, they give a fuck in the long run about the country and they're willing to fight for that. When yeah. in Afghanistan, they're just collecting money. That's what the they're there for. Yeah. yeah, it's a completely different set of values. Um, March 69, Nixon resumes the bombing in Cambodia and Laos in secret. April 69, there are 540,000 troops in country, 40,794 dead, and $40 billion that has been spent in Vietnam. Um, the National Security Council told Nixon at this time that all intelligence agencies agreed that South Vietnam could not then or in the future defend against Viet Cong and North Vietnamese. This is in April of 69. We left Saigon in 75. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, ground troops left in 73 but even then you have four entire years in which everybody in the government knew that the Arvin forces had no chance of keeping the country and we continued to fight there continued to sink money into it and then left in the end anyway and we're like oh, you know what so are we going to do about it I want to pull up this uh, we've done this before in some cases where we uh, we look at the value of how much money from what year equals what value in today's world. So let's say, what was that? 1960, 69, 1969. It was $40 billion. billion. So we're going to have to count on our zeros here. So 40, one, two, three, one, two, three is 40. Oh, we can't even go that high. No, no. So, so let's just say four, Four million dollars in 1969 is in equivalent dollars. Oh my God. Um, 29 million, a little over 29 million, and that's just four million dollars from 1969. So it times that by 10. So we're talking at this point the equivalent of trillions of dollars, the same amount of money, figuratively, that we're you know essentially that we're spending now. So weird. It's strange how that number is scarily close when you plug it into the inflation calculator isn't that odd isn't that's it? when we begin a process called we begin a process called vietnamization right which is something that the french had already tried previously when they were there that they called pacification and we had also tried this in the very beginning of vietnam when we first had our ground troops there, maybe even just the advisors, and we were setting up the hamlets there, which were little villages that we set up the defenses for and then would come back and check regularly. And pacification was, again, the process of quantifying uh, quantifying the it's, it's, it's hard to describe, quantifying the pacification of the village, how pacified they were. So the likelihood that they were going to be on your team. And so you're counting how much aid you have there, the amount of guns that you have there, the amount of trips you're doing regularly, the amount of troops that you find there. They were quantifying, they're saying this village is 37.5% pacified. How can you tell me that? <laughs> I swear to fucking God. Once swear you to God. everything right? down to the nearest penny, you have so the ability we, to make those calls. So we had done this before, and now we were starting a process called Vietnamization, where we are pacifying the countrysides, and at the same time, we are slowly going to withdraw our forces and hand the keys over to the Arvin forces for them to defend South Vietnam. Over these four years, the administration has asked numerous times by people all over the world, if the Arvin forces cannot defeat Vietnam with six, 600,000 
U.S. troops there. How in the fuck are they going to do it when you're gone? I don't know. Even, I swear to God, even Henry Kissinger, who was there doing the secret talks for Nixon with Hanoi, is asked that by the North Vietnamese. How do you expect the South Vietnamese to defeat us if they can't do it with you there? Henry Kissinger has no response. What do you say to that? The U.S. delegation, no response. Nothing. You have nothing to say. You can't say nothing. nothing. Because they have caught wise to the game that you're playing. Yeah. They say, yeah, no, without you here, there's no problem for us. During Vietnamization, we begin to hand over immense amounts of equipment over to South Vietnamese, right? Which, obviously, a lot of it then gets hemmed up by the North Vietnamese. Let's talk about these numbers. Uh, One million plus M16s. 40,000 grenade launchers and thousands of jeeps and armored vehicles and things like that that we send over to Vietnam that, I'm sorry, uh, oh, then go into communist control when the North Vietnamese take the whole country. Isn't that interesting how that happens? Yeah, Uh, interesting how there's a direct correlation there to what's happening now, too. Have you seen the videos mm. of the Taliban forces walking around in U.S. military equipment, night vision goggles, plate carriers, M4s, everything. Everything. I mean, it, it's saws, machine it's guns. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. Yep. So we give over billions of dollars worth of equipment. Yep. Um, corruption rampant. Ghost soldiers. This is what I'm talking about. The ghost soldiers, mm-hmm. the double services. Yep. Ghost soldiers is something that Sagar was talking about on Breaking Points this week. The yeah. amount of um, Afghan ghost soldiers. So weird. Are. Not the same at all, though, right? Not yeah. even a little bit. The so, fact that we have a term for it. So ghost soldiers, if Colin and I were the commanders of a unit, we are saying that making people up mm. and saying that they're enlisting in our unit so that we can collect their paycheck every month. Yes. You also have, again, I talk about people doing double service that will pay part of their salary to their commanding officer to not have to show up for muster every day so they can work a regular day job and then show up on the weekend and collect the rest of their check. So both of these practices are ex- exceedingly rampant. Um, mm. In April mm. of 1970, we have 30,000 troops that go into Cambodia. By 1971, there was no U.S. in Laos and Cambodia. Um, no, March of course of 72, not. The North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong begin the Easter Offensive. It's also called the Summer of Flames, which is a three-pronged offensive um, there was only 60,000 troops in Vietnam and very few actual combat troops at that time. And so this is when they start just rushing through South Vietnam. Um, the three-pronged attack, I believe, was one from the north, one through the middle highlands, and then also one from the east on the seaboards. Uh, because when people are trying to flee the south and they're trying to go to the coast to get out, the coasts are being shelled mm-hmm. by the North Vietnamese while people are trying to swim out to freighters to get on them so they can try and escape. This is where we come with like the, the Vietnamese boat people and things. Yes. Yeah. Precisely. Refugee crisis. Precisely. Yes. Uh, the people that don't get picked up on the freighters stay on these tiny boats and just fucking float until they reach somewhere. That, that is a big ass up. ocean, dude. Yes. It makes the Atlantic look like a bitch. Yeah. There was one particular instance in this when one woman, her, she was talking about a whole village that she tried to go to find someone, I think, and the whole village had gone out onto, what do you call it, a big trash boat? A barge. A barge. Went onto a barge trash to boat. try and make, well, that's, that's a trash barge. I know that's, yeah, yeah. And, and so they, you know, the whole barge <laughs> filled up with people to try and get out to a freighter and it fucking sank because there's so many people on it. Thousands of people dead in an instant. Because well, I'd call it a trash barge, barge at that point. So, um... That barge is trash. Start Operation Linebacker, which is a, the biggest bombing offensive at the time. May 
In May, there was a full 24 hours of bombing, a full load from a B-52 bomber every 50 minutes for 24 oh. hours. My God. Yeah. Um, and that was to try and stop the North Vietnamese 60 miles from Saigon. 60 miles. 60 miles. Um, after that, the bombing in North Vietnam resumed, obviously bigger than ever before. There was 11,000 sea mines that we placed along the shore to, of North Vietnam to stop their resupply from the Soviets. Um, in late October of 72, there was a secret ceasefire reach between the U.S. and the North Vietnam that was declined by the South Vietnamese because they weren't involved in the peace talks, they mm -hmm. weren't involved in the processes, and they didn't like um, some of the... The U.S. Had, had agreed that the North Vietnamese could keep soldiers in the South. And South Vietnam's, fuck that. Um, you guys can't do that. Come on now. Absolutely, yeah. In November of 72, there was a Christmas bombing. Peace talks yep. fall flat. Canceled by Nixon and the bombing in North Vietnam resumes. Um, December 26th, the talks resume. And six days later, we have peace in Vietnam. So, again, I would peace. equivalent that it's a ceasefire, yeah. really, for yeah. a few days. Um, I would, again, equivalent this to the peace talks with the Taliban that mm -hmm. they're not really a peace talk it's a ceasefire it's a yeah. moderate agreement that again the you the afghan military or the afghan government had no say in we oh, yeah. we <laughs> we negotiated with the taliban and said here's what we agreed on go ahead and take yep. this literally the same thing we did with the north vietnamese to the south vietnamese the very puppet leaders we had placed in south vietnam we then ignored to make our own deal with hanoi so that we could get ourselves out Literally the same thing that we did with Afghan with the Taliban and the Afghanistan government. So we put him there, whatever the fuck. Uh, Ashraf Ghani. Ashraf Ghani. We put him there over Mohammed Karzai, right, or yep. over Hamid Karzai. Yep. And now, fuck you. We're gonna make our own deal. You need to eat shit and deal with whatever we have decided on the back end. Yeah, exactly. And what from happened. my understanding, that was part of the problem with the negotiations and the the Trump peace talks, if you will, is um, Ashraf. Ashraf Ghani would be refusing to step down from power. Yeah. And that was part of the problem from that is, you know, because the Taliban was not going to accept him staying there. They're the ones that are in charge, not some puppet corrupt, you know, government that we installed. And hence why he fled the country with bags of cash. Yeah. Um, so... After we reached that agreement, Nixon vowed to South Vietnam without congressional approval that we would continue to protect them, which he absolutely cannot do. Obviously, he's a president. He doesn't control the purse strings. He has no control over where money goes. He also doesn't win the election. Um, yeah. Actually, he does and then has to leave office. Uh, yeah. It's, it's what happens. Yeah. And so I am not a crook. Office, once he leaves office, Ford has no – he's not beholden at all to the South Vietnamese government to do anything. And he's receiving so much pressure from the people at home. There's no way in fuck he's going to continue to yeah. pay any money over I there. am getting out. Yep. So January 27th of 73, there's a ceasefire. All combat troops are out by the end of March. The North Vietnamese and South Vietnamese obviously continue at each other. The only support, there's only monetary support for South Vietnam at this point. Um, we're just giving them money. Just I, at, at the worst time, because in mid-August of 73, um, Ford, half the amount of money that we were getting to South Vietnam, and the corruption grew as the money went away, obviously as the condition worsened. Um, in the 10 years after the fall, the fall, the leaving uh, of the North, it, it, things got terrible, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so the North Vietnamese army pushes south, and the Arvin collapsed. They took the first province in three weeks, right? So again, let's let's think about 
the Taliban pushing down through Afghanistan, yeah. right? The first time they took it, we're like, that. Wow, that's that's like really fast, right? I even have, I even have some notes of like, of, oh damn, that's they're taking these and they're going to take the whole north if this continues. And yep. so just one second, so that I because they give... took the roads from what the roads that we built to make transportation quicker and more efficient. This is on the tenth. I have from Axios today that Afghanistan, the Taliban, has now taken provincial capitals and territory faster than ever before. The U.S. will be out by the end of August, and the Pentagon intends on continuing air support. On the 11th, Afghanistan, Taliban on the verge of controlling all of North Afghanistan. So that was one day. One day. One day, day from when I said, damn, they're starting to take some provincial capitals. That's crazy. One day later, oh, shit, the Taliban is on the verge of controlling all of North Afghanistan. They could take Kabul, they could take Kabul within 90 days. This was on the 11th of August that we thought they could take Kabul within nine days, right? So, again, we'll talk about the North Vietnamese Army pushing through. They took the first province in three weeks. The second they took in two days. And the third and fourth they took in one week. It's pretty expedient. Isn't that interesting? Pretty expedient. Just pulled up the map of Afghanistan for everybody real quick yep, to take so a look at. This is on the tenth. So yeah, the Taliban are now taking provincial capitals and territory faster than ever. Um, let's see, they could take the Kabul in ninety days. The president Ghani appealing to warlords for help. Mm. That was on the tenth or on the eleventh. Um, the fact that on the 12th, you as the president are recognizing there are warlords within your country that maintain maintain provincial power. Yeah, shows that you are a puppet government as it is already. Um, on the twelfth. The Taliban claims that they had taken Kandahar and that finished off the hold on North Afghanistan. Two days, within two days of, damn, they're taking lots of provincial capitals to, oh shit, they literally control the entirety of North Afghanistan in two days. Two days, Again, on the 12th, is from ABC. Start here. The Taliban continues to capture uh, provincial capitals, more ground than ever, police stations, capital buildings, military bases, equipment. The U.S. is still going to be out by 831, not likely to reverse course. Um, and then on the 14th is when Kabul was taken and the president was starting to make his speeches about what's going on. Because that's – I have the 14th is when breaking points started talking about how good mm -hmm. Joe Biden did. Yeah. So, so within, within four days – from oh they're starting to take a lot of territory to oh shit they literally have control of Kabul now yep and we're still here uh oh yeah we're still in this by the yeah. way uh, oh yeah we're we're still there today yeah we're so, working on it let's see yeah so they took the last one what am I I'm missing that there it is there it is I'm getting out of order here um, the Arvin. After they took the third and fourth capitals, the Arvin and 400,000 civilians began to flee south from North Vietnam. Um, Hue Falls, which is one of the biggest provinces there. Um, da Nang was entered, which is, I mean, just just north of, of Saigon. Um, da Nang was entered in March of 75. The North Vietnamese planned to take Saigon before May 9th. And there was 5,000 Americans and 200,000 South Vietnamese SIVs, special interest visa applicants, um, or what was the equivalent at the time still in Saigon. Um, the Arvin forces were holding out 40 miles east of Saigon. That was the last hold from Saigon, was 40 miles east. Ford asked Congress for $722 million, and he was given no money, received no applause to his congressional address. Huh. And then April 21st, 1975, the North Vietnamese pushed to take Saigon. South Vietnamese president was taken away by the CIA. 
Isn't that interesting? No equivalency at all, right? That he was rushed away, that he left the country. Yeah, so... No surprise there. Yeah, so I'm sorry. What did I say? I said Da Nang was entered on, in March, and on April 21st, they went into Saigon. Wow. Now, this is interesting. I went to go pull up um, Saigon on the map for the peoples, and I'm not... You know, you feel like it should pop out. Saigon is known as... Ho Chi Minh City. Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. I feel like that should kind of tell the story itself, right? Yes. Um, so, April 2175, South Vietnamese president leads this. South, South Vietnamese rush to the airport. There's four U.S. evacuation plans drawn up. Four. Four. Right? One of them is enormous freighters off the coast that they're just going to load people onto and just get them out. All the U.S. freighters, right? Another plan is the roads. They're just going to try and drive everybody out as long as they can, right? Mm -hmm. Another one is... Commercial airports. Commercial airliners are going to put everybody on big planes, get them out as fast as we can. The fourth one, last Cobble one, airport. helicopters. That's the last thing that we can do yep. is helicopters, right? So April 27th of 75, this is just six days after they start to push towards Saigon. The North Vietnamese started their actual assault on Saigon. They started, The U.S. freighters were sent out to sea. So there's one of their evacuation plans gone. Yep. The U.S. government just takes them away. And at this time, this whole time, the people inside of the embassy are fighting with the ambassador because the ambassador at the time was convinced there was going to be no attack on Saigon. <laughs> convinced. <laughs> Up until the time they're on the doorstep of Saigon, there's Capital no City, way. Capital City, bro. They're coming for you. There's a huge tamarind tree. This is like a... Uh, very popular story, very well-known story from Vietnam. There was an enormous tamarind tree in, right in the middle of the courtyard of the embassy that needed to be cut down so they could bring a second helicopter down. Only hours before they were taking people out were they allowed to actually cut down this fucking tree because the ambassador continued to say it would show – it would send the wrong message if we cut down this tamarind tree because the tamarind tree is a sign of peace and prosperity in Vietnam. If we cut it down, it will send the wrong message. Hours before people being taken out by helicopter. I'm trying to see if maybe I don't see. Any, there's a U.S. consulate general in Vietnam. I'm just trying to see if maybe that that site might still be visible from Google Maps. Um, I do not know. I would. I would um, not find it. <clears throat> April 29th, the airfield was destroyed, so that's another thing. They can no longer take commercial air flights out. Yep. Um, the helos start to evac because there's no other way to do it. April 30th, there's only Americans. General Ford, General Ford, President Ford said only Americans were to be evacuated. And then there was 129 Marines left at the embassy um, for a few hours. Eventually, there ended up just being 10 left at the very top. They were left for a few hours and then were eventually taken out. Um, in post-war Vietnam... The North Vietnamese signed with the Soviets to spread communism. That's where they got all their funding to try to start the government up. There was a failed push into Cambodia, uh, which was eventually called by some people Vietnam's Vietnam. They lost oh, about yeah. 50,000 troops in Cambodia trying to, to take all these things back. Um, there's economic collapse, re-education camps, as much as 700% inflation per year. Woo! And industry was nationalized. Nobody had anything. Everybody was dying. There's no American dollars going in. Mm -hmm. Um and then eventually there was a war with China and the North for communist control over the Soviets and the Chinese of, because the Chinese didn't like the Soviets were coming into yeah. into Asia. And so they got into a war with the, guys, the Vietnamese. This is our territory. What are yeah. we doing so here? So they fought the Vietnamese that they had also just finished funding yep. you know, for a decade just to try and dominate control in the region. Yeah. And a lot of people put the, uh, you know, a good amount of the, the – responsibility on the collapse of the soviet union 
on the the Soviet Union's extreme focus on expansion and the, the fact that they were just yeah. bleeding money yeah. into these countries to fight these wars to spread communism and eventually they got I mean with the help of Afghanistan especially they got bled dry and ultimately collapsed in on themselves I mean there m might be something to that maybe maybe that is something that the US should have kind of factored in at a point in their thinking about do we push back on the spread of communism or maybe we let it happen for a while see what happens and maybe it all just implodes on itself because it is a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point the the grasp of central authority control can only be so big yeah i mean we saw that with like the roman republic even i yeah. mean it can only get so big and then you can't control it and it all collapses in on itself so, that might have that may have caused just trying to play like you know historical fiction here i mean if communism ultimately tried to spread throughout the world maybe it would have collapsed in on itself and the entirety of the communist nationality if you will would have disappeared i don't know i don't, I don't know. know let's stick with this. Yeah, that's right, way right. that's that's going to take us off on a whole nother deal. we don't want to do that i'm right there with you but we're we're in this section deep I'll so let's that not go later. too far yeah so to end this particular section of this and then we can start talking about yeah. actual afghanistan some big questions mm -hmm. that come from that this is kind of the ender that i have for this right the there was a message over the radio that was the sign for all of the americans and nationals to come to the airport right the temperature in saigon is 105 and rising and then they were supposed to play bing crosby's white christmas the dj couldn't find the disc had to put on a different song of white christmas people still fled to the airport anyway it was a whole mm. deal right i heard the magic words they just didn't hear robin williams tell him exactly exactly so the very this is an exact quote from the very last radio transmission to ever come from the Saigon Embassy, the United States Embassy in Saigon, right? It has been a long fight and we have lost. Those who do not learn from history are forced to repeat it. Let us hope that we will not have another Vietnam experience and that we have learned our lesson. Saigon signing off. I don't think we learned anything from it. Those were the very last words spoken over radio by an American out of the embassy in Saigon. That is so messed up. Tell me that those two things are not the same. Yeah. Now you can hear it. I foresee something similar. Mind you, we're not doing the old school way of that anymore with the radio broadcast and stuff. And I recently watched that Good Morning Vietnam movie. And I'm going, man, the amount of control that i mean that's how they got the words out to people i mean yeah you listen to the radio you wait for these code words and then it's time to book it because we're the fuck out that's powerful stuff not a fan i can see that happening so there's going to be some form of you know because at this point i think we're about to get into it but it doesn't sound like the united states government has a solid number of u.s nationals in Afghanistan we don't even know the amount of people we won't know when everyone's out because we don't know how many people are fucking there no they still have I was just watching the press briefing from the Department of Defense before I left the one from yesterday mm -hmm. they were still telling people to fill out these forms to yeah. identify where you're at so that we can try and get in contact with you so that we can try and get you to the airport somehow yep. they don't even have a full list of 
people who are there. I know there was a rough number that Joe Biden gave, but whoever the press secretary is for the Department of Defense, that poor fucker. Dude. <laughs> that, that poor, poor fucker. Because you signed up for it, bitch. He has the hardest job in the world right now. Yep. Um, he was asked four or five times the same question because there's only like five reporters in that room because apparently no one gives a shit about the Department of Defense, which seems really weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, one dude got to ask the same question like five times. He's like, How? Joe Biden says it's this number. You're telling me that you're still trying to find out. How are you going to say you're going to get everyone out if you don't even know how many people are there? He's just going, I, listen, we're working with everybody that. as much as we can. Yeah. No, you have no idea. There's nope. no idea. That's disgusting. And there's the same thing in, that was in Vietnam, that there are tens of thousands of people who assisted us over the last 20 years that have earned a ticket to the United States that we should have been processing fucking May. We should have been processing May 31st. We should have been starting this process to get everybody the fuck over here because now they're getting the shit beat out of them. They're getting shot by the Taliban. There's this Whipped weird the streets, man. This really weird word game that's being played with, mm-hmm. um, with Joe Biden and everybody else. That oh well, the Marines have secured the airfield. Okay, you have to get through the Taliban checkpoint into the airfield to have any type of U.S. protection. Yep. If you can't get through the Taliban checkpoint. The Marine lockdown of the airfield doesn't mean shit. Nope. It doesn't mean a goddamn thing. You're still getting shot by the Taliban in huge numbers because nobody can get through because it's chaos there. But 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 Joe Biden said that he's going to be straight with it. He's not going to lie to the American people. He's going to tell us how it is. Yeah. I mean, in his press conference and statement to the American people over the last few days, you know, he said he wasn't going to lie to us. That was the whole deal. But he's playing fucking word games so that he doesn't look as bad as he truly is. It's disgusting. And so the original... I pulled this up because I was curious about the timeline again on the, the, the treaty. The original Trump treaty essentially outlining the terms of our withdrawal yeah i'm sure know? i have that in my book and i'm finding it um february 29th 2020 um and that would kind of make sense because the original date was may 2021 of the pullout being completed and so and i believe we said it at the time um when joe biden had officially come out and said that you know he was going to have the the withdrawal date of september 11th yes so but the treaty, the original treaty, was May 31st. May 31st. Yeah, I think it was the 31st. It was either May 1st, May 31st. It was a couple months It was May earlier. 31st because then August 1st came and we were like, wait, what the fuck is going to yeah. happen? And you go, well, and obviously at that point, the U.S. June, had yeah. reneged on their portion of the treaty because we are not out by then. And then what happens in the month of August? They retake the entire goddamn country because they don't give a shit because we already backed out of the treaty by not fulfilling the terms that were laid out in the original treaty. I I have mixed feelings about the in- inviting of the Taliban to Camp David like was happening at the time. And I think we spoke right. about that at the time. But yeah. at the end of the day, feelings I have on it aside, papers were signed, agreements were made, and instantly we we went back on those as soon as we had to change the leadership yeah and that has essentially probably contributed to some of the bullshit we're dealing with now like if we had been serious about this back in february and started the plan 
the the process of actually doing this thing back in fucking March, the end of March, the beginning of March, whatever it is, because you need there's time to try to figure out plans and whatnot. That's six months ago. Yeah. I mean, what are we what are we talking about? I mean, more than six months ago. I mean, that's six months ago to March of 2021. But we're, we're talking the- over a year and a half ago, 18 months maybe. Yeah. We could have been planning on maybe just, I don't know, a trickle of getting people. I'm not going to pretend like I am going to – I'm not going to uh, uh, armchair quarterback this thing that much right now. But no, I and- feel like there was never a serious timeline in place where people actually, in good faith, started – the process of pulling people out until it was, oh, shit, the Taliban are coming. Right. We got to hit I, the eject button right the fuck now. And this is part of that gray area we were talking about earlier where, like, it's not one opinion or the other. That yeah. I think in this particular instance you're talking about, both presidents are to blame, mm-hmm. both Donald Trump and Joe Biden, yeah. right? Um, By Joe, the time Joe Biden came into office, we should have been with yeah in the process it's, already. When Joe Biden got into office, it should have been happening already. Yeah. When, it, when it wasn't happening already, you should have begun it immediately because mm-hmm. you knew what timeline you were already on. Yep. You were already talking about it. You knew what you had to do. So if it wasn't done at the time, which is on Donald Trump, you should have been doing it the moment you got into office, right? You'd think. To Donald Trump's point, and it's not an excuse because it's not it's not an excuse, but I think an explanation just to help me understand, help everybody else understand, I think Donald Trump, I mean, not I think. He he thought he was going to win the election. He yeah. did not think that Joe Biden was going to win the election. Yeah. He thought he had all the fucking time in the world to do his wheeling and dealing afterwards, make another deal, do oh, some yeah. money, do some whatever, do whatever Donald Trump was going to do. I fully believe, and again, it's not an excuse, you're still a fucking idiot, yeah. you know? I truly believe he thought he was going to win. He did not think he was going to have to hand it over to Joe Biden. He thought he had more time to do whatever his Me second— Me or a dead guy. Who are they going to vote for? I truly believe he thought he was going to win. So I don't think he was even considering, you know, oh, well, you know, whatever. Like, I'll just mm-hmm. I'll figure that out in my second term after I'm already secured. Yeah. And if I, I got wanna... the time, I'm good. Well, and that's we have, you know, other people that are coming out now saying that he was talking about, oh, I could blow him out of the water if I wanted to, but I don't want to do that. I want to blah, blah, blah. I think it's possible that he, again, it's not a defense no. of Donald Trump. I'm trying to, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's fully possible that he himself wasn't sure what he was going to do yet yeah. and was going to wait until May to see how the Taliban was going to act. And if they were fucking around, he was going to let him find out and just drop the fucking hammer in the Middle East. Or yeah. if everything was chill, he was going to leave and handle the rest of it on the back end. And again, for the, like the fifth time, it's not an excuse. That's still extremely irresponsible. It's still horrible fucking policy. But I believe that's what was happening at the time, which would explain why nothing was happening when you got into office. Yeah, it, that's kind of the uh, the the non malicious. Yeah, you know, solution. You're fine. You know, okay. Well, you know, I feel like he probably meant to to carry it out, but yeah, that he probably put his he he bet on the wrong. Absolutely. You bet on the wrong deal, and all of a sudden, it was just like, well, fuck, I, I guess I'm out. Well, and I, I think there's probably also an element of, like, you know, if he would have won, then he would have been in, like, the fourth month of his second term, you know, by the end of May. And if he's going to withdraw all forces and end the forever war in Afghanistan in the fourth month of his second term, I'm the most successful president ever. In the fourth month of my second term, oh, I yeah. end a 20-year war in America. Yep. So I, that's a... It seems right another reason alley. why it's in May of either either I'm going to get the credit for it or it's not my goddamn problem and you have five months to figure it the fuck out. Yep. You know, dick move, huge dick move, totally irresponsible because you're playing games with American foreign policy and other countries and shit that we have enormous financial stakes in. Extremely irresponsible. Seems to be right up the alley of Donald Trump who did irresponsible shit for four years while he was in the office. Yep. 
So it doesn't seem that weird to me that that might be what happened. Right. You know? But it on the opposite side, you have five fucking months. It Biden. does not absolve you of the responsibility for ending on this and saying it was going to be a disaster no matter what. Mm-hmm. So why not try and mitigate the disaster as much as possible? Yeah. Let's try and take all these innocent fucking civilians out of there who have helped us over the last 20 years try and win this war. We knew it was a failure 10 years ago. Why not try and save them instead of leave them to be hunted down, murdered, get the shit beat out of them, left homeless in the streets, any number of things that's going to happen to them now that the Taliban own that country. You know, this is kind of a a joke, but Biden's good buddy, President Xi of China, <laughs> yeah, really good at making people just disappear. Yes. He should have just called his homie Xi and be like, hey, how do I make these people just disappear? And then we'll just make them disappear somewhere back in America, maybe, or wherever the fuck. I don't, you know, I'm not going to get into that conversation about where all these people go, but yeah. You've got to be bullshitting me if you can't tell me the United States of America doesn't have the power to make a bunch of Afghan civilians who have been helping us for the last two decades disappear underneath the Taliban's nose. I do not think the Taliban are that technologically advanced that they'll be able to figure out where they all went. You can make these people and their families fucking disappear from Afghanistan and make them reappear somewhere else. Right, because the reports now are people being hunted down, are people literally being followed to their house. Yeah. And then they're being confronted at the front door. Like, that's actively happening right now. Right now. We have a clip for that afterwards, but I forgot to share this quote with you. This is from a guy named Sam Wilson who was in the army that served in Vietnam. Okay. We tend to fight the next war in the same way we fought the last one. That's a bad decision. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that totally makes sense. So that's part of what they were talking about in Vietnam. is like we're fighting this war the same way that we fought World War II of just overwhelming firepower. Let's just load dudes in there, load equipment, and load everything, and we won't even have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. The trouble there is you're no longer fighting a traditional army like you were in World War II. Yeah. It's not trench warfare. It's not city-on-city warfare. You are talking about guerrilla warfare in the jungles that white people have – not ever been in in fucking ever, yep. you know? And now they have to navigate that. It'll take people an hour to go 100 yards, you know, in insane jungles like that. There's a, there's a there's kind of a weird comparison there to the British being in the Americas during the Revolution. Yeah. Because we were fighting. We, we tried fighting the way we fought the last war with the regiments and the straight columns and lines and do that. And it wasn't working out, so we shifted to guerrilla warfare. The British couldn't handle that. Right. We're we've been fighting this guerrilla warfare type deal for so long now. You fight it just like you lost. You fought the last exactly. one. And Korea we, was a little exactly. bit more regimented because that's it was a little bit closer to how we fought the last war because exactly. it was essentially the next fucking day. I mean, and then you look at Korea and then you kind of downsize that just a skosh, but you find it more or less in the same fashion, and that's how you end up in the proxy war cycle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so then we find ourselves in Afghanistan, like you said, trying to fight nope. guerrillas the same way that we tried to fight them the last time that didn't fucking work. We're the British. We're the British now. Yeah. It seems intelligent. 200 years and you just forget. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I, As a... Before we dive into the very Afghan-specific stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think you watch Tim Pool as religiously as I do. I do not. But um, he had made a really interesting argument the other day about uh, this video game that I play, and he plays, and a bunch of these people play, called uh, Civilization. Okay. Right? And it's kind of a... You start out as a little 
indigenous tribe basically you found a city and then you grow it and you kind of there's different ways to win you can have like a military conquest you can have a scientific conquest so like you're the first one to reach space or some shit then there's this lovely little thing called a cultural victory and so at, at one point you start a city and it's tiny and there's a ton of Lebensreich out in between you and the next nation right a bunch of just open territory that anybody can claim and eventually you get to a point where there's nothing but borders. Everybody's borders are touching each other. But if you have the stronger culture, you get absorbs into the other country, they revolt against the other country, and you can just kind of walk in and that city is yours now. Culturally, they are yours. Spend a second before we dive into this stuff. So we're 30,000 feet at this point. Talk Because I know we've talked about it before and the, the three generations theory and that kind of stuff yep. about a a cultural war being fought in Afghanistan compared to places like Vietnam, where I don't think we really got that aspect in it too much. But no, I feel it, like we no. definitely did more cultural the, things in Afghanistan. Right. Because the, because the divide politically in Vietnam was so clear, yeah. there was a clear distinction. The people in the South were freer than the people in the North. There yeah. was no question of that. There was no... You know, it's like North Korea. You keep, mm -hmm. There's nothing there, and you go somewhere else. You have jeans. You know, it's like like the one we yep. were saying. You know, you go somewhere else. You, you can have, have jeans. blue jeans. Yeah, in the South, there were thousands of papers where you could openly question your government. You could do yep. things like that, even though it was a puppet government. It was full of shit. You could still do that. In the North, nothing like that even existed in the slightest. And that cultural part is on a weird in Afghanistan is on a weird tilt of of girls going to school of theocracy also. Yep. You know, yeah, yeah, of yeah, that yeah, cultural true. and theocratic overlap that there's exists, a collide for sure that exists in that part of the world and when you watch that first press conference with the taliban and they're saying we're going to allow women to take part in our culture and in our yeah, country yeah. within culture, our religious but, frameworks yeah well what the fuck does that mean because you're yeah. saying they're going to be able to go to school within our religious frameworks so, okay, that's, so that means 10, no. you can't go to school what the fuck does that mean because that's not women and girls going to school that's nine-year-old girls going to school that's not women and girls going to school. Mm -mm. You know, letting them be maids in the Capitol building is not involvement in government. You know what I'm saying? That's Those two things are not equivalent. And that's there's the weird word game that's mm -hmm. being played there because they that's being given legitimacy by the United States government and the rest of the world by talking about, uh, you know, we just have to see how the Taliban represents themselves to decide what we're going to do. Yeah. They've are been they a terrorist be organization. The, for, the family of nations and... There, what? Joe Biden is saying that, that financial assistance to the Taliban internationally is dependent on the way that they can demonstrate their humanitarian aid and, and tilt. I'm what? sorry, what? what? Are we, we're actually expecting that they're going to be different than they were the last time they ran the government. When yeah. girls couldn't go to school, they couldn't work, they couldn't fucking do anything, they're raped and beat in the streets, they Sharia can't even law. go out by themselves. That's what we're talking about? Is that yeah. That's what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. We're now talking about financially aiding this terrorist regime that we have allowed. And I'm not – I mean, I'm just going to put it out there right now, right? No matter what you hear, any of this, don't misconstrue it as, oh, so you think we should stay? No. no. A thousand percent not. I have 
I have really only ever consciously known this nation at war with the Middle East. Yeah. I do not by any means think we need to be there. Your I entire also, conscious adult life, we've been there. thousand percent. I also, as I've said before, do not by any means think this was the way it needed to go down. Yeah. At all. Not even a fucking little bit. Because I've seen it before. It doesn't need to happen this way. It doesn't have to happen this way. That argument is bullshit. That's false. Of course they're going to be crazy. There's no pretty leaving of a war. Of course. Of course they're going to be crazy. Do we have to have children being handed to Marines over fucking barbed wire fences? Do we, is that we have to have that? There's no way to avoid it. That's it. That it's either that bullshit. or dead American soldiers. That's what you're saying to me. Yep. As the most powerful nation on the planet who spent trillions of dollars in the Middle East, those are our two options. Babies over barbed wire fences to Marines... Or dead soldiers. That's it. That's, that's the that's, binary yeah. option that I have here. Fuck you. Yep. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We just increased funding to our defense industry, to our defense budget, when we're leaving Afghanistan. But these are my two options. That's bullshit. Those, this those is false choices. This is nonsense. And that's when I was talking about Crystal and Sagar being the mouthpiece for Jake Sullivan, right? It's yeah. Because on the 14th, they're talking about there would have been this. This would have been the outcome no matter what. Uh, the military has been lying this whole time. To delay would have would have been to say okay on Americans dying, right? Even though Biden did delay to September and then back to August for some type of weird political win of like, oh, we did it quicker than we said we were going to, even though we went back on the original fucking treaty in the first place, right? That sounds like par for the course of the Biden yeah, administration. So it's on the 14th that they're doing this. They're saying this is a war of arrogance and. Um, we went in to, to get Bin Laden out and go in and get Bin Laden out and get out, right? Don't try and reshape the country. Um, the the very the very next day, right? We we have a White House press briefing, and let me just get to my press briefing here. Just one moment. This is on the seventeenth, so I'm not gonna lie. You keep looking. I'm gonna tell you this little tidbit. Yeah. Um, when I am talking about something that I have no idea, you have a note card for. You have this look in your eyes. I watched it on the playback because the YouTube slightly date. Like, oh, I fucking got this, buddy. It's like it's almost like this. Uh, I don't want to use the word smug, but just go with that that phrase. And you have this look, and you have kind of like this little grin on your face, like, oh, oh, I got, I got a perfect card for this moment. It's yeah, so good. So this Jake. Because then on the 17th, right, uh -huh. Jake Sullivan is saying it would have taken a large uptick in troops to keep the Taliban at bay. It was going to be like that. These were the two options, right? It was oh fuck, either leave after 5-1 or escalate. I stand squarely behind my decision. We plan for every contingency. That's that's it. It's It was either lie, leave on 5-1 or escalate. Uh -huh. So I'm sorry. So we didn't leave on 5-1, but, so but we didn't escalate. But we only have the two options. That's kind of to hear the same talking points nope. from Jake Sullivan, who's the national security advisor, right? And then word, almost word for fucking word, from breaking points was disgusting for them to then claim that we're the source of truth, we're the best way to get back at mainstream media, fucking blah blah blah, by being the mouthpiece for Jake Sullivan and Jen Psaki. That's how you do it. Yep. That's how by word for fucking word. Quoting Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan. That's how you fight back against the industry, right? Yep. That's how you do it. That's how you fight against mainstream bullshit is by quoting Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan. Because Absolutely disgusting. It's because they're saying the – it's like I said, might have been there in the pre-show or earlier. I was thinking it was the beginning because of the show. They said 
because Jake Sullivan and Joe Biden said the exact words yep. that they wanted to hear. So they latch on to that and they take the W because that's that's all it takes for them in their mind is we were right. Now the administration is doing the right thing because they're saying the right words when they they're making the right sounds when they move their mouths. Balls that's all yeah. it has. It has no connotation to the actual meaning behind the words or all the things that they plant their flag in as being sacred cows and everything that they actually hold supposedly hold true by seeing past the bullshit that comes out of their fucking mouths. They're relying. They're saying, no, no, no. Well, they said the words. They're saying everything right. The greatest speech of, of any living president in my history. This is the greatest moment for politically ever. It's just absolutely this is why I have a problem with them lately because yeah. it's absolutely disgusting. It's fucking disgusting because they, they backstepped on their own fucking principles yeah. that they, they tell everybody that they hold so high, but they're all, they got the right words. So they're on board with fucking Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan now. Well, and they, they also talked about how much better Joe Biden's policy in Afghanistan was than Donald Trump's policy. I'm sorry. Didn't Donald Trump sign a motherfucking treaty to get us out of there? Yeah. Isn't that what happened right yeah. before he left office? Did Joe Biden just not follow kind of that treaty and get the troops out of there? What's the fucking difference here? Yeah. What What's the difference? What's the difference? The difference is an execution. There's no difference. The, nope. the, the, the policies are the same. Yep. It's nonsense. The policies are the same. The only difference is Joe Biden's making a shit show of it. And he has balls of steel. But he has Biden has balls, balls of steel. steel for pulling out under an already signed peace agreement. And. Your your hands are tied. You have no choice. Yep. Your hands are tied already. Yeah, he you doesn't have a choice. Yourself. Balls of steel for pulling out, right? But it's either that or more people are going to die. But you have balls of steel for doing it. But if you don't, people are going to die. That's bullshit. It's a false in, choice. In the same in the same segment, they're they're contradicting themselves. You have balls of steel, but you really had no choice, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't, more people are going to die. What are you going to do? You're going to kill more soldiers? No, of course you're going to bring them home. Balls of steel for doing it, though. So so fucking based. So, so fucking based. based, right? Fuck you guys. I'm really curious if my... Uh, because as a member of their their program, um, you get the ability to, to ask questions for when they do AMAs, which yeah. also is a little... You know what the fucking problem is, man? You know the problem with Crystal's, Crystal and Sager mm. is that they were born on mainstream television. They were yes. born from the hill. Yes. And so they, that's why I've always had a problem with Sager and his little fucking suit and shit. You know, we joked around. I would love to wear a suit all the time. Um, but the problem is that they are, they're like a weird middle ground between mainstream and alternative media. And they, they, parade themselves around as if they are the end-all be-all of the alt media when really they're just kind of mainstream media who says things that the mainstream can't that's why they're number one on the podcast list because if you're leaving the new york times it is an easy step into breaking points to be into like you said independent media mm -hmm. that's that's your natural next step is the number one podcast on all these lists that's why you're yep. number one because as we know if you're really if you're really saying shit you're getting fucking blocked out. You're getting right. shadow banned, bitch. Yeah. That's how it works. Breaking points is That's not getting shadow banned. That's why all you motherfuckers don't get notifications. Breaking points is not getting shadow banned. No. No. No, they're getting Not lifted. even a little bit. They're getting lifted up. Yeah. Because they're making fucking money for Apple and shit. No. So, um, why are we still there? The intelligence community lied to the president. The Pentagon didn't make any plans. I wrote, what about the defense industry? But I don't really know why. What about the defense industry? Um, does the, does the defense industry have much pull? 
in this and how this process is going in your mind? Probably not. I mean, I talked to that one guy that was a contractor yeah. and they were just kind of at will of the base. When the base shut down, they had to go. So yeah. I don't think I would be shocked to, I think that that is all just part of the initial withdrawal mm -hmm. because it doesn't look very good if you only leave defense contractors, but you pull out all of your military personnel. It just doesn't. And also, you're leaving them kind of defenseless on a military base or or telling them to find another place to live because yeah. we're going to close this military base. So um, I would be shocked if within the next year there weren't fresh new batches of military contractors in Afghanistan yeah. working for the government, doing one thing or another, even if it's just keeping tight on the embassy or whatever the fuck, mm -hmm. you know, I would be surprised if there weren't contractors there shortly. Um, and then now, now I'm, I'm curious cause, yeah. um, you know, whether these guys are essentially hosting us or, or legit paying attention, but for the guys that are in the chat there, um, that have been active duty at one point or another, you know, what are your guys' thoughts about for one, the leaving of Afghanistan and to the methodology of which the evacuation at this point, I, I can't call it anything other than evacuation, how that's being handled and how do you feel about it? Oh, yeah. And let me you take know, this opportunity. My, my buddy Dakota is over in Kuwait right now. You know, don't ask me why we're in Kuwait still, but, you know, I'm, I'm wondering very much so, like, he's over there doing a year in Iraq. I wonder how he's thinking about all this. Why is he over there? I wonder if that's on his mind. Yeah. I, I really feel for the veterans that have done a tour in Afghanistan or multiple tours in Afghanistan and are watching this shit show take place. Because I think what we have here is ostensibly is even going back to Vietnam. We've, we've gone from nations being at war with other nations, which, at, you know fundamentally are about ideology and we've gone to this weird place where governments are having wars with other governments does that seem fair afghanistan it was a war of a government against i mean textbook wise you say terrorism and osama bin laden but realistically it has not turned out that way you know why the nature of warfare has shifted over the last six to seven decades from nations being at war with each other to governments and uh, politically elite, uh, maybe just elites in general at that point, because you're also talking military industrial complex, anywhere where there's money to be made, but not for the everyman. It hurts the everyman because it costs us taxpayer dollars. War has, and, and so I, I guess I'm having a hard time understanding what you're saying because it, I'm having a hard time formulating it in my mind right then, now. In, then with all due respect, stop. Okay. <laughs> we won't go down that road. Flesh it out and then bring it back there and we we'll talk about that. But because It'll work because itself out in the wash here Right, because you're talking about countries being at war with countries and, nation, or, and governments being at war with governments. Yeah. I don't know really what the difference is, right, between our government being at war with another government and two the nations being of the at war. War has never been, been financially that. beneficial for the people fighting in it. It's always been... So, so that, that's why charge. I'm not sure yeah, yeah, what yeah. you're what you're getting at. Um, no. It's never benefited the people fighting in it. Never financially. Never. So um, it depends on the cause. So I yeah, yeah, yeah no. think you no. should work we'll that, leave one out that one out a little bit, out. and then we'll we'll bring it back. That's an infant 
thought that needs to mature a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back when it's a teenager, and then we'll talk. There, yeah. And then we'll talk Once it hits puberty, yeah. there we go. Then we'll That's talk into do adulthood. It. But, well, so let me take Zeke this. here said. Wait, let me okay, take this ahead. opportunity because I have been trying to do it for like two minutes. I just have to tell everybody because I haven't done it at all for watching us on oh, YouTube. Yeah. Thank you very much. Salt of the Streets YouTube. Instagram, Salt of the Streets. Facebook, Salt of the Streets. Fuck Facebook. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Um, SaltofStreets.com for everything. We have our own personal social media. Salt of the Street on Twitter. Alpaca underscore Donald on Instagram. That's me. Collins at Big Bird Off. on both those things. Swell Bundle for a haircut. Location, skate topic, new skateboard. That's it. Sorry. Go Do ahead. It up. So Zeke said, because um, I, I just, you know, to ask him that question, Zeke says, one, we could have handled Afghanistan a lot better. And two, we never should have been there in the first place. Yeah. We were there under a false premise. And now I wanted to ask you guys a question. And now I'm waiting for the question. Oh. So it's coming. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't. When I think that. I, I think totally agree with you, too. It's just one of those. The hardest thing for me at this point has been how to square away in my mind. And we've talked about this before with like. Like I said before, the, the three-generation problem, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where I go back to my cultural victory type of win in the civilization game is after three generations of people living under, we'll call it U.S. occupation and going to school, having somewhat of a Western culture underlying their own, running parallel with, if you will, you know, after three generations of that, you don't have these problems because the military that we have been training has something to fight for and they they actually believe in they've seen this is the way they've lived this is the way their kids live this is the way well, their parents they, live they either do or they don't yes they, because, they either accept it or they don't accept because it that's what happened in vietnam is as it went on people realized we there we are here for nothing we yeah. are not gaining anything by being here and mm -hmm. i think that's a lot of the sentiment grew against the afghanistan war for the same thing you know that we went there this is something that i think is is harming Joe Biden by trying to frame something this way. We went there to get Osama. We went there because we got attacked on 9-11. That's fine. We did go there for that. Once That's, we were yep. there, George Bush and every president after Chain. that decided that we were there to nation build. We were yep. there to advocate and liberate the Afghan people. And I'm not defending it, but that this is officially why we were there. That's why we stayed there, yeah. right? Regardless of whether or not it's the right thing to do, because we'll be debating that for as long as we're debating Vietnam, yeah. right? And at this point, the president of the United States has come out and admitted that was but happening. The, but the matter of the fact is, whether or not we accomplished our original mission doesn't fucking matter. No. Because the mission changed. George Bush already said that. Mission accomplished. After yep. that... Now we're nation building. We are there because it's fucked up here and we want to spread democracy and we want to liberate this country and we want to show them that democracy is the way to be and we want them to build their own democracy. I think over the last 20 years, and this is I think something we can talk a lot about, I think over the last 20 years, the ideology of American exceptionalism that helped push us into Iraq waned greatly as more documents came out as more truth came out especially about afghanistan the horrible things that were happening the reasons why we were there the ideology especially amongst the general populace of america the idea that we're just better because we're america and we need to show people how to be and we need to save everybody i don't think that really exists anymore man i don't think so. i don't think there are very few people tim kennedy people like that that yeah. still truly believe this country is just better than other countries and i'm not this country, I think, at its core, is better than other countries. Based on of based off of what our we can values. do, exactly. But, but the idea, like I said, of American exceptionalism—that 
we are better and that we need to show people how to be and we need to lead all the causes in America or we need to lead all the causes in the world. I don't think that exists anymore. And I, it's really hard to convince people to continue to stay in something that started in that when you don't believe that anymore. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> okay, so Zeke hit us with the What's question Zeke's here. Question? So Zeke's question. After our withdrawal is complete, how do you think China is going to, is going to handle Afghanistan? That's a great China question. China came out and recognized the Taliban's control over... However, I don't think the Chinese realize how pissed the Taliban are over the co concentration camps in China. That is a very, The very, Muslim thing is going to be a, it's gonna be an issue. Because the northern border... Let me pull it up on the thing here. Yeah. The northern border of Afghanistan is very, very close to which province in China? If is you had Xinjiang? Yeah. Uh, it's no good. Oh, wait. Where am I in the world? Here we go. Yeah, there's, there's Europe. There's China. I was hanging out, and uh, I was still back in Vietnam. But So we have Afghanistan, and it is very close to the province of Xinjiang oh. in China. That's no good. And who is China throwing in the concentration camps in Xinjiang? The Uyghur Muslims. And as an That's Islamic very caliphate or a, an Islamic, um, what do they call emirate, of Afghanistan that yeah. the Taliban is now calling themselves. Um, I had they're going to fundamentally have serious fucking problems with that. And I had not considered that particular portion, right? I, I don't really, think a lot of people are. That I is a really thought, good question, Zeke. I had thought about China. And so we could talk about China and, and other foreign influences yep. now. Because I just have a bunch of questions here that we're just – I'm just kind of running us. Let's through. do so, it. Um, so that's another one is, is like who benefits, right? The Taliban, China, all communists. Yep. Um, and so – Because the Taliban get control of what they – perceive as their own country at that point. So right. that's what they get out of this. Right. They become back in charge again. And I think now having, now that he said that, right, bringing that point up, I think it's going to depend a lot on economics, on what countries and how many countries, how much money comes flowing in to the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. Yeah. Right? If they can't get any funding, because <clears throat> another thing a lot of people aren't talking about is there's like a shitload of precious metals in Afghanistan. Yeah, like a, the rare earth minerals. Like a shitload of rare earth minerals. Supposedly trillions of dollars. Yeah, like a lot. A lot that could really benefit China because they're the ones that are trying it's to make a very mountainous stuff, region. Right? So, so immediately that's where I started to go with China. It's like they're just going to try and invest all the money they can in the Taliban, you know? And opium, too. That's another oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, huge. absolutely. Yeah, and China making all those drugs. Yeah, opium is going to be a huge deal. It's a um, huge deal. And so they're the whole, not the whole country, but a lot of Afghanistan is ripe to grow shit. It's yeah. very very fertile country. Yeah, lush is not fertile is right. Like all I could think was lush, but that is not at all what we're looking for. But fertile is correct. I do like uh, that word. So I think considering the the Uyghur Muslim issue um, on the China side, issue. I think it's going to depend on how desperate the Taliban is for money. And I think... Because communism, like, the communism aspect isn't really a factor there. No. Because communism isn't going to spread to the Middle East. That's Hard not go. how it's, it's going to go. They're we can't keep, sow democracy, no, bro. You can't sow communism. They're going to keep doing their own theocratic government thing there and monarch, monarchistic governments. They're going to keep running with that. So communism is not the concern. My concern would be the economic investment, the belt and road type of thing. If yeah. the Taliban isn't able to scrape together enough money to keep the country physically together, they're going to have to turn somewhere. And if China, we know, is already the big player around the globe yeah. for uh, infrastructural investment. 
that's going to be the first place. They're, China's going to be knocking on the door of the Taliban. Yeah. Let us give you money or give us money and let us take some of your minerals and in return we'll build all this shit here and then you'll have money and we'll, uh, we'll just call it good. And I can actually foresee a world in which the Taliban say, fuck you, China. Yeah. We're not going to do shit unless you hand over every single Uyghur Muslim you have and you give them mm. safe sanctuary in our Islamic uh, emirate. I can see them opening their arms up because they are more or less a, a theocracy when you think about what the yeah. Taliban wants to set up. I can see that being a, it, a chip. Yeah. Can you imagine the Chinese going, oh, please take them. We don't want them here anyways. And it's it's tough because the – this is difficult – because the intrapersonal relationships of the different sects of Islam – get very complicated yes that the taliban and like only care about certain sectors of that society the yeah. kurds and shit like they don't particularly give a fuck about you yeah know? it's a very so it's a very like catholic protestant christian type of deal so they that's take it the very seriously. that's the only issue the only hiccup i see in that uh -huh. of if they obviously they if care the that muslims type. exactly that they're chinese not that they're the wrong type because obviously they care they're muslim but they're chinese muslims how much do they mm. care about that? Because there's good, and I don't know. I, I don't know. That's purely a question. You so, know, Zeke says the Chinese government think they can buy off the Taliban and the Iranian government the same way they can buy off the Americans. However, they are neglecting to forget the government tried something similar in the past. Can you remember what happened? That the Chinese government tried something in the past? Yeah. I'm trying to wonder. I'm trying to think. Is it the... The Chinese government think they could buy off the Taliban and the Iranian government the same way they can buy off the Americans. However, they are neglecting to, f to forget our government tried something. Si our government tried something similar in the past with the Taliban and the Iranians. Is that like when Biden was handing over pallets of cash, or, or right? Um, but I don't, I don't quite. Yeah, I'm not sure. Give exactly us a little bit more there. So give us a little bit more. But while you're doing that, we can talk about some other things here. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about real, real quick. Um, God, yeah, the Chinese aspect. I never really thought about the Uyghurs. No, no, I had not. I had not. It's a good angle to all. look at. Very, very interesting. It's a, that, there's a strong leverage. The the Taliban at that point have some strong leverage because you know China's thirsty to get in there. Yes. You know they're thirsty for it. We also so let's talk about also the amount of military infrastructure that the Taliban now has control of. Yeah. Right? The billions of dollars worth. Patchy uh, helicopters. Uh, it's so okay. So that's a really interesting point, right? That because Jake Sullivan got asked specifically about the Apache or the Black Hawk helicopters, right? Yeah. And he yeah. said Blackhawks. There you go. Excuse me. Let me pull this up because. He got asked specifically about that plan for the contingency over the hill. I'll stand squarely behind it. Oh, and I think we actually have a video for it. Oh, hot dog. Told them to clean up their corruption. Yeah. Oh, that's um, Joe Biden told them to clean up their corruption. The Taliban? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, I mean. Deal, or the Afghan government told them to deal, to deal clean, clean up, up their the corruption, corruption, deal with the Taliban, and they, and they refused. Mm -hmm. Um that's why he fled with pallets cash. Yeah. Bags of cash. It was only hundreds oh, of millions. Sorry, I got mixed up here. One of the Americans still in the country, Taliban checkpoints, commit to getting all the Americans out, leaving the military equipment. The Blackhawks, he said, okay, the Blackhawks belonged to the Afghan National Army at their request, and we trusted that they would use them to defend themselves. 
That's ridiculous. So your excuse is we didn't give them up. The Afghan National Army did when they left. The that's st- that's yeah. your excuse? That's the excuse. <laughs> because the, the stories that are coming out are of the show. Afghani – I don't really know what you call them. The Afghan – National Army. National the Army. ANA. Yeah. The ANA um, are on Zoom chats with their American counterparts who fled to try to figure out how to do the maintenance on their own fucking helicopters because that's what they were there to do and to make sure they were able to to maintain these things. We didn't lay the groundwork infrastructure militarily to allow the Afghan army to be able to continue to fight by themselves. The, The minute we pulled our air support out, and that's relying on the air support, was how we trained them to fight these you know, the Taliban at this point, when we remove that option from them, they ran out of fucking options. They don't know the basics of ground warfare, gun on gun, man on man type of things. No, no, they taught, they, we taught them how to operate as we do with guys on the ground, painting up targets, call the air support in targets out moving on. Yeah. We have special forces there to do the other things that we generally do. And, the Afghan forces aren't trained necessarily for all of that. So he said, similar to the past, can you remember? Oh, wait, wait, we already covered that. I got to know, man. Can you remember what happened? You tell me what happened, Zeke. Tell me what happened. Because I'm missing missing something here. Yeah, well, that will go through these uh, remarks by Jake Sullivan um, because this will kind of talk us through some other points there. Airfield secured, safe passage to the airport. He said the Taliban has committed to to save passage for all civilians and we were going to hold them to that even though we've seen people aren't being let through yeah. um people are being hunted down in their homes things like that are happening um so yeah we well we're not going to cross the line from your airport but uh you know when you and this was on the 17th this white house briefing he asked what if there are americans still in country after september 1st said, i'm not going to comment on any hypotheticals you're not going to say we're definitely going to get every American out of the country. No. I'm not going to comment on hypothetical. We got a deadline. I'm not, I'm, you um, know, the 31st is, clock is ticking, guys. Regarding the Taliban beatings at checkpoints, we're talking to them in private channels about this, but we're getting people through. Just, what does that mean? What does that mean? We acknowledge that's happening. I just told you that it's yep. not because of weird. They said they would let them safe passage. They would grant them safe passage. And I said we're going to hold them to it. You've just now told me. That there are people are getting the shit beat out of them in the checkpoints. I'm acknowledging now that I know that, even though I've just told you that it's not fucking happening. Yep. I'm going to acknowledge that I know that it is, and I'm going to tell you that we're working on it. But we're, we're still getting people it. through, so it's like not a big deal. We got a couple hundred. We still have reports yeah, you know? of people getting through. Yeah. So I don't know where what you're hearing. You know. Yeah. Uh, will you commit to getting all Americans out? That's what we're doing right now. That's what we're doing That's right now. Correct quote. That's what we're getting right now. Leaving the military equipment, the Blackhawks belong to the ANA. At their request, we trusted they would use them to defend themselves. How are you going to get Americans to the airfield? We're working with the Taliban Grand Elements to secure safe passage. Just imagine 20 years ago if those words had come out of, like, George Bush's mouth. Well, we're working with the Taliban to make sure they all have safe passage. Jen Psaki comes what? out. Jen Psaki comes out. Uh, how are you going to work on getting people to the airport? She refers back to Jake's open statement. Oh, we'll work with the Taliban. You know, we're doing that. And people have been getting to the airfield. Yeah. Well, so, oh, yeah. Some people have. Some some people have. Yeah. So uh, it's, it must be working. Yeah. She then gets asked, what about getting people out after September 1st? Like, can you guys commit to that? We're focused on the day-to-day right now. Yeah. We're focused on the day-to-day. 
That's what we're worried about. So we're not going to make any promises. Yep. Uh, during that George Stephanopoulos interview, he had to painstakingly walk him to saying, yeah, no, if there's still people there after that, we'll get them out. Yeah. I mean, he did not commit to that. George had to walk him to that answer. He said, Joe Biden, you cannot say anything but this. We're going to get you there after I question, secondary question, third level question. Oh, okay, there's the answer I was looking for. This brings us back to this kind of area with Zeke. Um, she got asked about China and Taiwan and China-Russian propaganda. And mm-hmm. she said, we support Taiwan and we're talking to China and Russia about you know, about what's going on there. So what she's talking about is that in at least she the says days, Taiwan out loud. <laughs> at least she says it out loud. In the days since this has happened, China and Russia have started to release propaganda pretty much to everybody on the planet and say, in not so many words, America is a bitch and we're going to come for you. And when we do, they're not going to do anything about it because yep. they're a bitch and they just show you that. So China's literally sending messages to Taiwan saying, America will not defend you. America cannot defend you. They cannot do anything to stop us. We are going to come for you. So there is a huge question now of optics and the global and international view of America and our credibility. And I have some Joe Biden from Joe Biden's deal. Yeah, the Global Times of China is one of those. Um, they're a CC, CCP talking point. I mean, they're a their mouthpiece for the CCP. They're state-run news media. They had put out an article and they tweeted out uh, a portion of it um, to say that once I'm trying to find the exact quote for it, the time, but in not as many words, they say that once. There is a war in, oh, what is that? I need to find the quote. But what's that body of water? The Taiwanese Straits or something like that. Once there is a war that breaks out. South China Sea. South China Sea. Um, you know, the then they give the acronym for the Taiwanese Defense Force and whatever. Will not, you know, they will hold out for a number of hours. And then the entire nation will fall. And the U.S. won't be able to do a single thing about it. I'm going to try to find the DDP authorities. That's the, that's the name of the Democratic Progressive Party. The DDP authorities are different about this. Oh, I got to find that quote somewhere. It was so good. But they're not even pretending anymore. They're just blatantly saying that we are going to take Taiwan. And the U.S. ain't going to be able to do shit about it. Yeah. Because what they've gone through in Afghanistan has proven that they don't have the stomach for what we're about to bring. When Joe Biden... Made his statement on the 20th yesterday. He um, he made those statements and he said, we have kept our commitment, which is not true. Again, whether or not I think that we yeah. should, we've not kept our commitment because we've been there for the last 18 years to nation build. Uh, any U.S. citizen who wants to be out will be brought home and to the airport, he says. And when questioned on U.S. credibility, I have seen, this is a quote, I have seen no question of U.S. credibility. Our mission is accomplished. That was the first quote, and now it's, and then he started talking about how our mission is accomplished, and we have no political stake in Afghanistan. How can you honestly say you've seen no question of our credibility when China is openly telling Taiwan that we won't do shit? Yep. If war breaks out between China and the U.S., really trying to find that that quote because it was so perfect. But yeah, I mean, 
slightly different circumstances, obviously, when we're talking about Taiwan and China versus Afghanistan and the Taliban, because the Taliban are not China. They're yeah. not the CCP. You know, it's a very different thing. We're already there. We don't have tens of thousands of troops in Taiwan. Like, we, we don't. They are a strategic ally. We've ha They have been for a long time. That's a totally different conversation piece. But the the idea that they are saying openly that when this happens, the U.S. will do nothing. It's, yeah. not, a, it's not an if anymore, when, man. It's when, not an if. When we come for you, they will do nothing. Yep. I, we have a video, one of the ones that I sent you, that we can play um, regarding reports of Americans being stopped and why wait to evacuate. It's of Joe Biden. Yeah, it's going to be one of those two. There you go. All right, here we go. Plug in, baby. Let's do it. Scott uh, Detrow. Scott. Notice the list. NPR. Scott Detrow, NPR. Thank you, Mr. President. I just want to follow up on something oh. you said a moment ago. You said that there's no, no circumstances where American citizens cannot get to the airport. Well, then you listen. It doesn't really it. square with the images we're seeing around the airport, with the reporting on the ground from our colleagues who are describing chaos and violence. Are you saying unequivocally that any American who wants to get to the airport is getting there and getting past the security barrier and to the planes where they uh, want to I go? I thought the question was, how can they get through to the airport outside the airport? And the answer is, to the best of our knowledge, the Taliban checkpoints, they are letting through people showing American passports. Now, that's a different question when they get into the rush and crowd of all the folks just outside the wall near the airport. They get through the checkpoint. That's why we had the, the airport. Guess, no. was it yesterday, the day before, we went over the wall and brought in how many? 169 Americans. Went over the wall, so it is a Americans. process to try to figure out how we how we um, deal with the mad rush of non-Americans, those who didn't help, those who are not on the priority list, just any Afghan, any Afghan to be able to get out of the country. And so my guess is that no matter what, under what circumstances we, anyone. There's not a whole lot of Afghanis. Uh, uh, there's a whole lot of Afghanis that just as soon come to America, whether there are any involvement with the United States in the past at all, rather than stay under Taliban rule or any, any, any rule. So what I was saying is that we have an agreement that they will let pass through the checkpoints that they, the Taliban, control, they let Americans through. But, but given this, given the negotiations with the Taliban, the scenes that we're seeing, can you just fully explain why uh, the, the plan wasn't to go ahead with these evacuations of both Americans and allies before the drawdowns began, before Bagram was closed, looking back several months? Because whether it was now or several months from now, there seems to be a broad consensus that the Taliban would make these gains and these would be needed at some point. Well, yeah, at, at, at some point. But the point was that although we were in contact with the Taliban and Doha for this whole period of time, at some point wasn't expected to be the total demise of the Afghan National Force, which was 300 persons. Let's assume the Afghan National Force had continued to fight and, ha and they were surrounding the Kabul. It would be a very different person. story. Very different story. Uh, but okay, okay. can overwhelming consensus. <coughs> Was that they? This was not. They were not going to collapse. The Afghan forces. They were not going to leave. 
They were not going to just abandon and then put down their arms and take off. So that's what's happened. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. That's when he dipped out. Oh, now that was, yeah, I remember that from listening to that statement. Um, so it, it sounds to me like that there's just a bunch of excuses in there as to to kind of cover his ass as to why we did well every i mean every, everything seemed to be on the up and up i mean the taliban said they get to the checkpoints and then you know but people are having problem between the checkpoints and the airport it, that that's you know i mean we have the agreement that's where we're at yeah it's like bro so you're you're absolving yourself of any responsibility whatsoever here because you didn't fathom that this was going to happen of course he doesn't because he's a thousand years old and can barely speak through Right, and that's so they're bad saying, mouthpiece. So he's but. saying, well, of course there was cables. You know, there's cables saying all kinds of things. Yeah. Okay, in Vietnam, again, like I said, you had the leader of the embassy there who, until the day that they left, was being was telling people, I don't think anything's going to happen. I really don't think it's that big of a deal. They're not going to come to Saigon. Like, I don't know why you're worried about it. I really wouldn't worry about it. No, you can't cut down the tree. Like, we're not going to need to worry about it until the day he fucking left. That's what he's arguing, man. You're listening to the wrong people. That's you have to say that you have to admit that if you want to be honest, you listen to the wrong person. You listen to the wrong person. You picked the wrong guy to back and that's on you. It's fine. If you didn't think it was going to happen, it did. That's where we're at now. And you have to own that. And he's just doing everything he can to, to not, he's trying to take all the, but at least I left political credit for leaving. The buck stops with me. I wasn't going to let anyone else do it. Yeah. So then own it, own this now if the buck stops with you, yep. own it now. We fucked up. Yep. We really fucked up. This was not the right thing to do. Because really, the onus is the the buck stops with him. Yeah, but he didn't do this. He didn't start this process. That's the other thing that he is. He's taking all of the credit for a process that another president started before him, and that he has inherited, which he is. He mentions a lot in his very first press conference to everybody after he you know was missing in action for three or four days um but he is still trying to shrug off the responsibility of it being on on him he says the buck stops here but he's still putting he's still putting the responsibility on the the afghan army and prior presidents so let's it's talk like, about this because crystal and sagar obviously gave him all the credit in the world that balls of steel and uh, all this stuff right does joe biden deserve credit in my opinion, to the bare minimum of credit that you actually left. Yeah. You did it. Instead of continuing to listen to generals and go back on it because they try to convince you, because they've convinced every other president, right? Yeah. Just like General Westmoreland, General William Westmoreland did to JFK, LBJ, and to Nixon for years. He convinced all of them, all I need is more dudes. All I need is more dudes, more time, more equipment. We'll be good to go. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So you deserve the bare minimum credit for – kind of going along with the with the agreement i'm going to take at least half point away because you decided to shift the timeline and then shift it back for some reason like the only thing i can think is for some type of political win yeah. you moved it so that you could be the one i did it on september 11th and i there was nothing set up and i still did it within nine months and then you did it earlier because you're like i got it done even faster yeah. than we were going to before why are you doing that why are you fucking around in another country for a political win back at home? No one wants us there anyway. Get the fuck out and get everyone home. Well, especially when you think of 
the reasoning behind, say, a political win? Yeah. Does that – he's got to know what we all know. He's not there 2024. He's not. Right. Why do you need the political W? Is it for the party? Is it for Kamala's benefit? Maybe for the admin, well, I yeah. don't like, – She's don't, not connected with this at all. No. I, I mean, she's standing in the background there. That's Somebody true. finally found her and put That's her next true. to Joe Biden again. But I don't. I well, don't going to be in California get, now. We're talking yeah, about. God, I just I just don't get because there is an argument to be made. If he is seventy years old, even, and he is for sure going to run another term, there's a re, there is an argument to be made that there is a political reason to do this and do it quick, dirty, just fucking get it done. We'll put that shit in the playbook. Now we got that for running next time. But he's got to know that that is not going to happen, man. And if he doesn't know, we all should fucking know that that's not going to happen. Especially, we're not even a year into it, dude. This dude has gone downhill real fucking fast. Yeah. And that, so like the political argument to the, to the, the argument for the political gain aspect doesn't make sense. Barely to me. holds. It that's what I'm saying. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So what the fuck are you actually doing, dude? Yeah. Why are you just, you're just giving the order. This is what's going on, and I'm just going to sit back and whatever happens. Oh, shit, now it's too dirty. i got to get back involved. They're just There's no reason, especially under the ideology of it was going to be a, a disaster no matter what. There's no reason it didn't start earlier. There's no, no reason. And so there's something, something that's not being said because no reason other than I listened to the wrong guy, other than yeah. I, I believe the wrong guy, you know, yeah. which is fine. That's – that's a political mistake. That's a policy mistake. I fucked up. I listened to the wrong guy. Yep. That's fine. But you also have to acknowledge, like that, like in that question, if you don't have – now that we're gone, right? Now the Taliban's going to do what they're doing. If we had this horrible breakdown of communication prior to – because right now you're not willing to say as the president that you fucked up and listened to the wrong guy. So all we can attribute it to, by your own words, is that the intelligence was wrong. That we something was missed, whatever. How can you attest that that isn't going to happen again? Again, now that we aren't even there. Yeah, you know, ah, oh, we'll fine. And that's this, which is that's that's a non-answer. It's, that's it's that's bullshit. Used the the idea that it's going to be a disaster no matter what. Yeah, is I think partly used as as an excuse. Oh, absolutely. Because yes, the long-term consequences of the of a U.S. occupation not being in Afghanistan anymore means that in 10 years down the road, it's going to be a disaster of an area compared to what it was when we were there. Right. Yeah. But the disastrous portion didn't have to be the pullout. The no. consequences would have been disastrous no matter what. And I am very much of the same camp, pull the bandaid off. It's going to happen. The Taliban is going to retain control. Yes. It is, it, that's going to happen. Period. It didn't have to happen like this. That's what's pissing me off so much about the coverage around this. It's it's like, well, he could have done this. He could have done that. You know, Trump would have done a different blah, blah, blah. And, and who knows how any of that would have shaken out. But the facts of the matter are right now it is a complete and utter fucking shit show with people that have been born and died under U.S. occupation clinging to fucking C-17 airplanes taking off from the tarmac at Kabul airport and falling to their death because they're so goddamn desperate to get out of the country because dare I say we didn't stay there long enough 
So that's actually the next question I have written down here. Yeah. Is would it matter or been different if we stayed longer? Mm-hmm. Right? This is where I'm going to steal man my commentary, folks. And um, oh, I'm so glad that you said that because I have those notes written down on my phone and Perfect. I would have completely fucking forgot about it. <laughs> I would have completely fucking forgot about it. Because there's a – the argument coming from, say, your standard neocon. That's where I'm going to put the commentary folks and people yeah. like Ben Shapiro and shit. It's like – they like to make the argument that after 20 years and what is a trillion dollars, we prevented another 9-11 by us being there. Now, there's no way to truly pull on those strings and see if there's any truth to that. Their actual quote was, oh, perfect. we were keeping the monsters at bay. We were keeping the monsters at said. bay. Yeah, the current policy in Afghanistan was sustainable, and we were keeping the monsters at bay. Mm-hmm. So we spent a trillion dollars. We do that in a weekend now. That's what they said. And. There is some truth to that because we do do that. And at a certain point – To you, save the country from an economic disaster after a pandemic. Yeah, it's slightly different, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not like, oh, yeah, we're just going to do another trillion in Afghanistan this week. That's right. not – Right. And so that is definitely bad on them for making that comparison. But let me pose the question to you. Yes. As – a stand well you're not really a standard american citizen you're a little above i think most but um if you were to ask the everyday normal american if 2500 troops in afghanistan for the next 40 years at you know a, roughly a trillion dollars every 20 years if that did indeed prevent another 911 attack on america for that for this 20 years and the next 40, is that an investment the American people would be willing to make? Is that an investment you would be willing to make if that was indeed the case? Because it's a big if. Yeah. I, but there's a lot I of think, people rocking that argument. Because I think that if I think if you waited nine months until people were not so hot about it, mm-hmm. right, and you asked people honestly and they give you an honest question. Yeah. If this was five years ago. I don't think most people would think that would make the difference. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's again that's another that's a kind of a separate question. Honestly I don't think people like if people were honest with themselves, I think they would say, I don't think that will make the difference. We've been there for twenty years. What's twenty five hundred people over a whole country gonna do to reshape that country? Yeah. You know? well, I don't think it's really about that no, country. I obviously. think that there are some people that believe that it would be different if we stayed there. From what, from my understanding, because that's what you're asking me, right? Yeah. Um, from my understanding of the country, the region, um, the religion, I think that the think the issues there are way beyond America. Those disagreements between different religious groups and sects and ways of life, mm-hmm. I. I don't think that's a problem that America can solve. I think that that fight between these different breeds of Islam is older than America itself. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's a problem that we can fix. And I think that if we as a country were honest with ourselves and looked at what the issue is, right, because that's that's what the issue is. Mm-hmm. You have two different religious groups that are fighting each other. We're backing one against the other one. Yeah. We are, unfortunately, as is other Western countries – involved in that because they hate the ideology that we represent and that's what brings us in there is Mm -hmm. that in this fight for theocratic dominance between those two sects we are a 
for l- insane lack of a better term, we're a bystander, right? In mm-hmm. in that theocratic fight, we're a bystander. And because, like yeah. I said, because that's not the fight we're we're fighting. We're fighting a no. a social, cultural, ideological fight that has to do more with societal cohesion and government makeup and that's what i'm saying democracy freedom liberal values that's what i was saying earlier is that this fight in in afghanistan now this 20-year war is about american exceptionalism and i don't think that that ideology has a hold on america anymore so i don't think that it's hard to fight for what you don't believe in at home so i think for for anybody to make a difference in that country in that region you have to be really honest about what we're looking at now. Because now what we're looking at is a theocratic battle. You know, what's what's going to happen there, right? Because we can't – think the last 20 years has shown us we can't force democracy there. We, yeah. You cannot force democracy there. Or in it's 20 not, years. It's not going to happen. In 20 years. Would – to the same people that are desperate enough to escape the Taliban coming in, that they cling to the side of a fucking military airlift cargo plane and fall to their death, how many more people, how much longer do you think it would have taken for that person to turn into two people, to turn into four people, to turn into eight people, to have a general populace that is, for lack of a better term, westernized enough to push back against the theological war? Yeah, and that's I don't know. Three generations, and, man. and I don't know. And I, we, that's a, a theme that I've discussed a lot with with Jordan this week of mm-hmm. of the Afghan National Army like walking away, right, yeah. or being willing to take money and leave, or whatever the circumstance was, mm-hmm. right. As an American, I have a very difficult time even putting myself in the mindset of Crystal and Saga, who are like, "Well, why would they fight? Why would they?" Yeah. As an American, is I. For national pride, for my yeah. own independence, for, for my freedom. own liberty, for freedom, yeah. so for, that my daughter can go to school and become successful. Exactly. So I personally have a hard time putting myself in that mindset, but I think that speaks to that issue. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know how you breed that into people. You know, because I think that feeds back to that the different sex of it. You know, there are so yeah. many different types of people as far as ethnicity, race culture religion all in that same area that if they can't get over that which most countries are not able to that's the unique thing about america the melting pot that is america yeah if the government comes i don't care if you're polish if you're black if you're asian i i don't care if you're going to help me not die against the government that's all that matters to me yeah in other countries like that for and i'm i'm not it's i'm not placing a moral whatever you know it's just different it's different. They're not. They're not getting over that shit. It yep. matters way more to them. Just like in America, it still matters to some people here. Some people, the Protestant Catholic thing. Some people are still weird about that. Yeah. You know, JFK being Catholic was a fucking like holy fucking shit. Like what? What are we gonna do? You know, dear Lord, Catholic in the White are, House. What are we gonna do? Some people still feel that way. Yeah. You know, that's when Barack Obama was president. They're like, his middle name is Hussein. He's a fucking Muslim. <laughs> well, he's not, but. You know, so it it rings true with a lot of people it, still. There are still a lot of weird, diverse things, diversity things that they got to get over before yeah. that type of like you class. I think westernized ideology is a good way to yeah. put it uh, of of liberation. Think, what's that process called of when you bring a an immigrant into a country? You're expecting them to assimilate. Assimilation. I don't know because at, at some point. 
you're relying on because that's what nation building yes. is really is you're relying on an assimilation of the population to outweigh the external forces that were there existing before you showed up yeah i mean maybe we need to be dropping this is i'm just talking shit now mm -hmm. you know but i mean maybe we the we need to be dropping books about the revolution or something like that in the french revolution and shit like that into afghanistan just dropping crates full of books you know i don't yeah. i don't because that's the only way not to say not that the like, only way but the best way to teach somebody that liberty is awesome is to tell them the story of people liberating themselves yeah. you know what i'm saying it's like with that uh have you checked any of the what's her name yaoming park on uh, the north korean yeah yeah defector and stuff that's making her the rounds she talks a lot about this concept of you know, the idea that people in, say, North Korea or Afghanistan don't understand our westernized, Western concept of, like, liberal freedom, right. democracy. Right. They don't have any sense of what that is. They've been living the same life that they've been living for generations, and now you're expected to just embrace this entirely new and very drastically different way to live your life, way to think, way to move about society, the way you you know, raise your family and to what your right. family does. And like, it's a very drastic change. And if you're going to get involved in nation building, it's not a 20 year project. No. And we struggled with that in our own revolution, yeah. that the people serving in the militias still had farms. They still had jobs. They were leaving for weeks at a time just to visit their family, to do whatever, yep. you know, we've had that same issue and it's only, I'm watching the Patriot tonight. I'm reading 1776 by David McCullough right now. Oh, um, yeah. And so that's, that's actually like what he's talking about in, in the section that I'm in. And so, I mean, until it got to the point that it you have that oh shit moment, a collective oh shit moment that not only we can do this, but we have to do this. Mm -hmm. And what know? gives us the right to do that? Our, are, our values decide yeah, that it, we are better. Exactly. American exceptionalism. And it's a different, it's a different base of morals and ideologies that our country was based in Judeo-Christian values that are not as strict as a lot of the Islamic values are. And yeah. that's, so you don't, you inherently don't have the amount of freedom that you do when we were starting America, yeah. you know, which is an issue. When you're limiting freedom, it's really hard to conceptualize freedom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, which is, I think, you, what you, you were saying it, about North Korea. Yeah, if you don't have it, you can't conceptualize yeah. it. And, so, and they, so, how are the people of Afghanistan that are, are largely agrarian people, yeah. um, devout, religious, agrarian people, how are they supposed to understand the concept of a Western value like liberal freedom? Now, so you can't, that's what I'm saying, you can't, you can't force, force it. You can't force it. You that's cannot it. Time force it. Time might be the only, and that's an argument against something I totally disbelieve in, period. If you're going to make the argument for nation building, you're talking about being occupying countries for decades talking about imperialism. decades. Yeah. You're, you're talking, talking about, about imperialism. Yeah, you're talking about the empire, the ideological empire. Which is fine if that's what you're doing. If that's what you're doing. If that's what you're doing. But, but be fucking straight about it and yeah. tell everybody that's what you're fucking doing. Yeah. And but that's, that's not going to happen. And that's why I've, I've thought so much about, like I said, that ideology of American exceptionalism, yeah. you know, of just, it's just an idea. Yep. It's just an idea. It's just like Westward expansion was just an idea. It was. You know, we're we, fucking, it's up to uh, us we're to manifest it or not. And we're American and we need to do it because it's our right. God told us that we should do it and we got to get the fuck going. That's right. And that's, man. there was when manifest people, destiny. When people are not tied to that anymore, 
you know, what do you have? When you have yeah. so many people We in have America, a struggle for money and power. Riots, the protest, all of the split ideologies, the leftism, the fucking insanity. There's not enough unification across that. People don't believe a lot of people in America don't believe America's the greatest country around. Yeah. I think if you're objective and honest, you have to say America's the greatest country to ever exist. It's a has a lot of warts and a lot of ugly shit that's happened here. But on the whole, still better. This is the greatest country to ever exist on the planet. For now, for if so far, so, so far, so far, yeah, so far, we're still holding the number yeah, one not spot. Ever, ever. I mean, like up until now, you know. Yeah. I yep. think if you're objective and honest, you have to say that. I think, I think if you're objective yeah. and honest about whatever it is that you are doing, you can maintain that. If you are objective and honest about something that you are doing, even if what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. If you're objective and honest about it, you could still hold that pride in what the nation is as a whole. Yeah. And, and it can once you lose that, then it just becomes about Halliburton and dollars. Right. That's I don't it's complicated. It's very, very complicated. Yeah, so I think that it's it's very difficult. Um and another thing that they said they were Making it seem as though Biden was acting childish by ignoring the generals and continuing the pullout of Afghanistan, even though they've been lying for for years now. Yeah, you know how can we honestly argue that? Yeah. And that and so the reason they, Trump didn't start the pullout when he first came into office was because he became president and he got the generals together. They all told him this isn't going to happen, buddy. And well, he goes, "Okay, well," and we spent three years. The thing that bothered me then is that John Podhoretz decided that he was going to quote John Kerry's speech in front of Congress about Vietnam, in which John Kerry asked the congressman, who wants to, how do you ask someone to be the last man to die for a mistake? And so John Podhoretz says, who wants to be the last man to die for a mistake? First of all, fuck you, yeah. right? Because that's the complete opposite context of this fucking argument, so you're kind of a piece of shit. Second of all, your argument then is, who wants to be the last one to die so we'll just perpetually let people die and so we don't have a last one. Yeah, there is get, no last you one. Just you just get, get to be the another next one. one. You're just the next one. You're just one more. That's so good. It's so great that that's the ideology of who want, who who can yep. be asked to be the last one. So it's let's only 2,500. We'll just keep stacking fucking bodies. Yep. That's gross. It is gross. And that's the kind of the standard neocon bent at that point is, well, we're already there. Yeah. And that's... There is something to be said about that. There's something to be said about the idea of recognizing that this is a bad situation made possible by a series of very bad decisions over the years. Right. What do you, what do, you do about that? It's at that at some point, point you've got to face it and do it the right way and come at it and do whatever it is you're going to do, whether you're going to stay, whether you're going to surge, whether you're going to leave. You need to do it in a way that is not a chaotic fucking shit show that makes us, again, more of a laughing stock on the world stage than ever before in history. And you this, have to be able to do it right. To this, I would quote one of the OSS soldiers that was um, interviewed in that Vietnam documentary, and in a sense, Joe Biden, but in a, in a much lesser sense, that once you realize in 1968 that the armed forces cannot win or that corruption is the problem, you force them to clean up their act 
mm-hmm. or you leave because that's a losing side and America does not bet on losing sides. Yeah. The moment you know the ANA will not win against the Taliban, you either force them to get their shit together or you get the fuck out. You don't continue to fuck around, keep playing, keep playing games and letting companies try and make money there for the rest of time or until somebody decides to finally leave. Once you know it's done, get the fuck out. Yep. There's no sense in continuing on until after whatever year we knew we couldn't win in Afghanistan. Once you know it's done, leave. Cut the ties and leave. You have nothing else to win after that. Yep. You have nothing else to gain. Now that's where Joe Biden is now. Is what, do, what do we have to gain in Afghanistan? Now our own credibility, which is what we yep. spent the last four years in Vietnam doing. Defending our own credibility, which we ended up shitting on in the end anyway, just like we just did now. Yep. So, yeah, it'll be very, uh, be very difficult for America to have another very public situation like this. They ended up doubling down on, on the money things. He's done this reckless thing by pulling out, and they did the eviction moratorium and the stimulus bills. These are all completely different policies. Like, yeah. you can't compare foreign policy of leaving Afghanistan, like I said, to the trillion-dollar stimulus packages and shit like that. These no. are completely separate things. No. Talking about a, a global pandemic in which America is trying to survive as a country— and a war in which we should never have been in the first place. Yep. These are not the same thing. <laughs> not even was, a little bit. I was like, I'm sitting in the gym, I'm working out. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, this doesn't <laughs> make any sense, man. It was pretty interesting. Um, That's been the most difficult thing about this at the end of the day, is it really doesn't make sense. Everything yeah. that's happening right now just seems like, what are the worst decisions you could make? Well, let's make those. And then we'll end up where we're at now. Let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about the gear real quick. Okay. All the gear, right? What could we? What could we have done about the gear? First of all, thermite. You could bring it home. First of all, you could bring it home. That is. Yep. Second of all, blow it the fuck up. Yep. Blow it up. Blow it up. What's the difference? Turn What's it the into difference? A melted pile of fucking steel. You, you're losing it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Whether you give it to the when you put it in the hands of the enemy or you destroy it. Blow it the fuck up. You got all these soldiers here that are leaving the bases. Also, rig up a shitload of C four and fucking tannerite and whatever thermite and shit. Pop it off before you leave and get the fuck out. Yep. Have have DOD or a fucking uh, EOD hang out there for an extra hour. Blow it up and then they can leave as well. Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah. What, what are we going to do with it? Blow it up! Like, what a waste. Shoot missiles at it from the other side of the planet. What are we talking about here? <laughs> We're the United States because you don't have the money. It's Lots a of waste of funds from the aircraft anyway. carrier. That's... I want to take this moment real quick to remind everybody. It's the time for just up. I want to take this moment to remind everybody. Thank you for watching us here on our YouTube Salt of the Streets. Obviously, it's been a fantastic show. We were right about to break into that last topic. This one to be a little bit shorter. This was a big topic, obviously. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us. YouTube Salt of the Streets. We have our Facebook Salt of the Streets. Fuck Facebook, Instagram Salt of the Streets. Salt of the Streets. Salt of the Streets. for all this information. Our own personal social media. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. Colin is at Bear Offy on both of those things. If you're in the local area and need a skateboard, go to Location Skate Shop. If you need a haircut, hit up Swell Blended. He will hook you up. That's the last thing I have as far as those. Um, blow it up. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It's confusing to me. Um, Colin's going to make his last point, and then we're going to talk about these COVID updates. It's it's crazy here. We live in Washington State. If you live in a red state, God bless you. What was your last point that you were going to make? Thank God. Oh, yeah. We yeah, definitely need more beers. Um Last point I was going to make, the blowing it up for America. Yes, because um, the justification on their end is, well, we thought the Afghans were going to use it. It was theirs, yeah. right? When 
the United States evacuated of Bagram Air Force Base. Yes. You remember how that went down? It was an overnight. Which is, I, I like to make the, like the analogy that uh, an Afghan soldier goes to bed in the barracks one night after having a normal day, doing whatever he's doing. He's helping to become a, a, a Black Hawk tech or something like that, work on the thing. Wakes up in the morning. There's no Americans. He's anymore. outside. They're just gone. Yeah. Everything's gone. Everything, well, everything's still here. It's just all of your support's gone. We started evacuating to Vietnam in the middle of the night. Yes, because that's we have a track record. The last things. Marines left by 10 a.m. That's the Marines that were left for hours on top of the yeah. building. <laughs> so left at, by 10 a.m. Yeah. So at that point, you ha- you have this argument being made from Biden saying that, well, you know, it's not our fault that they just picked up and left. I mean, they just ran away from everything. They didn't fight back. They weren't ready to fight back, dude. You trained that was them. the whole thing. You spent 20 years <clears throat> training this, and there has been people after people like on. Timcast, the great thing about the Timcast is you get those people that come into the chat and they're like, hey, dude, I was there. I trained those forces. And I will tell you right now, everyone knew, everyone on the ground that was involved in training said they are not ready for this. They were still taking shots at Americans and shit. They're yes. still finding out Taliban that are infiltrating the ANA forces and trying to shoot Americans. Yeah. That was happening up until yeah. we left. Like, so if you did not. If you did not truly have an understanding of what was the actual situation on the ground, you might have rethought how you withdrew. And you should not have relied on these forces to fight for themselves when they did not essentially have the capability to do so. And so Nor the wherewithal or will. Exactly. And and part of me says, Well, why what makes you expect that that would exist at this point? You you have forced a way of life on these people and a regimented military style yes. that has only existed in like Western nations. And that's kind of how we've all built armies and shit up since the Roman times. How are they expected to understand how that's supposed to run, hold that sacred within themselves, each individual soldier, not to mention the leadership. Right. How is that? How do you have that expectation after right. 20 fucking years, dude? That's it. And that is it. That's what we were talking about, that, like, westernized ideology. Like, America was born of military liberation. Yeah. We have the, – the Marine Corps is older than the United States itself. We are a fighting so, people, bro. Exactly. So, so that's – it's literally in our blood. Like, that's yep. how this nation was founded on the blood of patriots, you know? So that's intrinsic in who we are. That it, There is something about – again, to quote the, the Vietnam documentary, one of the guys that's in there um, was – he got like the silver star or something, I think. And he was talking about how brave all these soldiers were that served behind him, you know? And he just thought to himself, how does America make guys like this? Like how, yeah. how do we make people like this? And it's weird, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's intangible. It's very weird. There you, is you nothing about two it. Plus two equals patriotic individual. No, there's, there's, uh, not a, I don't know. I can't really say that, but it's, it's hard to make, find a tangible reason that you can put 10 Navy SEALs up against a platoon of anybody else on the planet and bet on the Navy SEALs. Yeah. You know, there's something about that. I don't know. Obviously the training is far superior, but there's also something else. There's that inside, a weird thing about a Navy SEAL that's willing to put himself to death to defend his country and is happy to die for it. 
Yep. You know, it's, and I would say you don't even have to stretch that far. You no. don't even have to go all the way up to the upper echelons of the super badasses to get the dude that will say, Marine "I'll die for grunts. this. I will die for this." That is what I have signed the paperwork. I have signed over my life to die for this country if called upon to do so, without question. In most cases, right? That I don't know how you. I mean, it's intangible. There's and no way to truly, except to build something so truly exceptional that generation after generation of individuals hold that deep down in here. And that's the difference maker. Like in Vietnam, you had North Vietnamese soldiers that were kids that wanted to join that were filling their pockets with rocks so they could meet the weight requirement yeah. to join the North Vietnamese army to go down and fight. This is the people when, that when you have people that are get that in under World War II. Exactly. When you have people that are that committed, yeah. you can't kill that person no. by scaring them. You no. know, it, it's not. That's going to drive them even it's more. It's not how it works. And that's what that same dude that was talking about, you know, like how does American, how does America make dudes like this? He had been hit by a frag grenade and he was hit, was convinced he was going to die. He then talked about how liberating it was to know he was going to die. You know, he's like, the fear is, the fear is gone. He said, yeah. you just, he said, I then decided I'm just going to take out as many of these fuckers as I can yeah. before I get there. You know, that's a last blood. That's a weird fucking mindset to be in, you know, but for some reason it's rampant across the United States military. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a weird deal. What causes that? You know, I, that's what, I don't know that you, I don't know. There's a tangible thing no. that you could even draw out. Other cultures to, in, in history have, have shown that, you know, there's a whole Dan Carlin does a great series on what he calls the Celtic Holocaust. He talks yeah. about those guys that, you know, what would you be willing to die for, right? That's a thing. What would you be willing to lose everything for? Your entire way of life, your family, your friends, your your church, everything. I don't know, and I don't think we will ever truly know because it's been different for different cultures in history, but it is something in a society that is bred deep down to as a core value as you possibly can have. And that just sticks with people. It's not always there in everybody, but it's there throughout a the fighting force, if you will. Yeah. You know, the people you have enough people that are saying, "I'm into this. Let's do it." There are where accounts, the fuck does that come from? There are accounts of those NVA soldiers shooting, like when the bombing runs are coming through, shooting at the airplanes as the napalm capsules are falling down yeah. until the moment it explodes. They're shooting yep. at these planes in the potential that they're going to be the bullets that takes them out of the air yeah that's what so you can't quantify the, uh, that no. man there's no quantifying that it's the japanese soldiers on lost pacific islands in the yes. 70s that are still fighting world war ii because they don't know that the world's over and they will not accept surrender until the emperor or the commanding officer that gave them the order to stay there delivers the order directly to them that is I mean, that's a, a level of of toughness. Country is born from blood, man. Yeah. Country is born from blood. And when you look at the cultures over over history that have been, that have had those individuals, it's always been the same type of cultures. The country, the cultures that are born in blood, you know, the Vikings, the, the, the Goths, the, I mean, hell, the, the, what were the Turks before they became the Turks, um, like the Teutons and, you know. The Japanese, nothing but warfare for thousands of years. Expert warfare people that can 
can beat modern day armies with bows, arrows, and swords. I mean, that's the type of that can defeat the United States military with AK forty sevens and shitty fucking rocket launchers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just yes. I think this, is, if anything, is just evidence to say we don't belong. No. With that. Yeah. Let's move on to our next topic. Let's do it. After uh, two and a half hours. <laughs> hey, you know, I think uh, Bushido all the way said <laughs> Ottomans. Thank you, Will. It was the yes, Ottomans. The Ottomans. Yeah, the yes, Ottoman, the Ottoman Turks. Yeah. yeah. That's, I don't know. And it definitely, in our next segment, um, there's a lot of that Will lacking. Is allowing a lot of this craziness to, to take hold that we're about to talk about. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to Salt of the Streets episode 112, part one, when we covered Afghanistan. Make sure to tune in right here next week for part two when we dive into all the COVID updates and all the COVID news. We'll see you on the other side.